Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. You're about to embark on yet another great adventure with the Gary and Shannon Show. A reminder, we want you to make sure that you look at the iHeart app and hit the follow button on the Gary and Shannon Show podcast so that you can get updates on what's going on with our podcast. Don't forget to share it as well. Get it? It's adventure music. Also, share it on Facebook, Twitter, wherever you have that opportunity, and tell a friend about what you're listening to when you listen to The Gary and Shannon Show. When people hear me describing it over the radio, they are going to remember that AM radio is a viable and modern source for news and entertainment. Gary Hoffman. I've spent the station's last $15,000 on this, so it has to be a big success. This is the big one. Shannon Farron. This is the one that brings us back. Soon, AM radio will reign king once more. Gary and Shannon. <laughs> Gary and Shannon, president now saying he holds Vladimir Putin responsible for Russia's interference in the 2016 election. New day, new narrative, new point of view. We've got an explosion at an Army depot in Pennsylvania that's left some people injured. And Manny Wood Part 2 is official. Just the addition of that one guy improves the chances, uh, improves the odds, according to Vegas, that the Dodgers are going to at least make it to the World Series and could potentially win that. How cool is that? Well, it's great for them, but they need pitching. If they need bullpen that. help. Yeah, but uh, I trust this ownership group. They make some big moves. I guess. But you know what? You Darvish was supposed to help us last year. <laughs> I was just thinking that same thing. Uh, and where's he? He's in Chicago now. Hey, cautiously even... optimistic, I think, is how uh, I'm feeling right now. <laughs> well, it's if nothing else, as a baseball fan, I love watching good players play, and he is a good player. And thankfully, I have the cable package that allows me to watch those. Games, Did you so. see the video of uh, Justin Turner and uh, Alex Wood on the boat in Tahoe? No, and they're on a boat in Tahoe <laughs> on the water in their swim trunks, and they're both on there looking at their phones. And all of a sudden, Alex Wood's phone pings, and he says it's official. And Justin Turner goes, "We got Manny, we got Manny," and they're screaming. Which means Justin Turner could be playing second base next year. I'm thinking you're on a boat in Lake Tahoe. You're supposed to be on the all-star break. <laughs> well, I guess everybody has their own world. Listen, we have a lot to get to today. Let's, oh, But I want to start with this uh, headline that we've seen a lot of, and this is Maria Butina. She's this 29-year-old redheaded Russian grad student who has now been charged with acting as a foreign agent in the United States. The name that I was trying to come up with uh, yesterday of the other hot-looking Russian agent was Anna Chapman. Right? Oh. Anna Chapman was the one. She, who, was she was, the, who was the Vizkaya one? Veselnetskaya? Yes. She's the lawyer who met with Donald right. Trump Jr. and right. Trump Tower. So many Russian broads to okay. keep track of. Now, and that – she actually may tangentially have something to do with this Maria Butina story. Because that, if there's nothing else, there is a very weird um, – it, it may just be coincidental, but there's a timing thing in here, uh, in this story, in this narrative that they paint, paint about this Maria Butina that may have something to do with Veselnitskaya. I just love saying that. I know. I love hearing you say that. <laughs> All right. So let's start with who in the world is Maria Butina. She's been arrested, charged with conspiracy and acting as a foreign agent uh, or as an agent of a foreign government. And the allegation is that she was trying to influence 
election um, outcomes here in the United States. This indictment has nothing to do or is not part of, I guess I should say, special counsel Bob Mueller's investigation. Right. But there's a lot of the like I was referring to a lot of these coincidence, uh, coincidental things that were going on sort of concurrently with what Bob Mueller's been looking into. The prosecutors say the plan was to try to influence the Republican Party to be friendlier to Russia by using the NRA. Butina and her buddy, Alexander Torshin, got in deep with the NRA. By the way, Alexander Torshin is on one of our lists of bad Russian guys who uh, should not be allowed anywhere close to American politics. He is a major player in Russian politics. Uh, For years, he was in the upper house of Russia's parliament. He's been a deputy governor at the Russian Central Bank. Deep tentacles into uh, Russia and the Kremlin. So it's long been known that they have been together for a long time. Maria Butina grew up somewhere in Siberia. She moved to Moscow. She wanted to follow in her father's entrepreneurial footsteps and start a furniture business, which, fine. I'm sorry, a furniture business sounds like a mafia front. (laughs) Exactly. A Russian mafia front. Of course it does. So, amazingly, she then, all of the sudden, because of her furniture connections, begins to hang out with some of the most powerful, influential, rich people in Moscow, including... Alexander Torshin, this bank, uh, central bank official. She starts a Russian gun rights group called Right to Bear Arms. Get it? Sounds bear, familiar. Bear. Right. Russian bears. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because Russia is often associated with bears. And you want to say it again? Bear. And she started working for Alexander Torshin at this time as his special assistant. And as Vox says, it's unclear whether the group was a front all along. Vox, <laughs> the group was a front all along. Right, let's be clear with that. <laughs> um, the the fun part about – I don't know if fun is not the right word because there's an ex- – Fascinating part. Fascinating yeah. part. Thank you. Um, is that she was able to maneuver her way in a la Sasha Baron Cohen to some of the more powerful people in the United States on the conservative side of the aisle by targeting specifically the NRA. She wasn't specifically a White House crasher. I mean, she did have credentials. She started this gun rights front group. Uh, She started going to NRA conventions because she was a special assistant to Alexander Torshin, who was a huge supporter of gun rights. She was able to get the invites to to these Republican conventions and and get togethers and all of it. Right. So when they get to meet, when these Russian people come over here and they say, hey, we love to take our guns. We are happy with guns. They start inviting some of the NRA officials and some more conservative politicians to Moscow for the same thing. You come to our party, too. We have gun party, too. And that's where he uh, sorry, she, Maria, met Paul Erickson. Uh, who's a Republican, they call him a Republican operative. I think there's a negative connotation to that word. But, I mean, he is a guy who's sort of a a Republican strategist, maybe a better way to put it, because he's involved in all of these different kinds of of political campaigns. He worked for Pat Buchanan. Um, He worked for the president of Zaire. Remember Mobutu? Sorry, Mobutu Sese Seiko. More recently, he's been on the board of the American Conservative Union. He's got close ties to NRA's leadership. He's helped fundraise for the group. Forbes has called him a sort of secret master of the political universe. Okay, so that's the basics of this. There's, you know, hanging over their connection to the NRA 
is a potential allegation. It hasn't been fleshed out in the court documents that we've seen, but it would make logical sense that the next step is to say that the Russians were funneling money through the NRA to help conservative causes. That seems to kind of be where this happens to be pointing, although it's not in these court documents yet. And she is the central figure because they're alleging that she dated and lived with Paul Erickson to help funnel the money, that she used sex to to help uh, – use sex in exchange for a position with a special, a special interest organization, that she was acting as a foreign agent on American soil, which is illegal. The key in this – is this email that she sent to Paul Erickson. I love this. Oh, I don't know why people are still putting things in writing. Well, uh, I was just reading a book. I finished a book the other night. It was some weird, you know, international spy thing and blah, blah, blah. And it happened to do with uh, an Arab state leader who was sort of second, third in command, but really the guy behind all the power. And he referred to never writing. I mean, he didn't have a computer in his office. Everything he did because it was always secret and nefarious, was handwritten note that he would have a courier take to Istanbul or whatever and then destroy the paper. Well, wait till you hear what she wrote down, a project that she detailed called Diplomacy. We'll tell you about that when we come back. Don't forget, next Friday is our next News and Bruce. We're going to be at HQ Gastropub in Huntington Beach doing the show live from 10 o'clock until 2 o'clock. Come on out. They're going to be opening early for us. I want to get there a little early as well because that's going to be a a big parking issue. So uh, Uber, Lyft, walk, bike, whatever it is. And then go take a nap on the beach after the show. You and the naps. I took one yesterday. I'm not going to lie to you. I could tell you were going to take one yesterday because you couldn't start – recommend couldn't stop recommending them to people. The nap. All day. And then it got got in my head and I drove home and I – All right. We'll (laughs) talk about that email when we come back. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. I'll give you Gary and Shannon, some of the trending stories today. L.A. County Sheriff's deputies have uh, killed a guy in Pico Rivera, I guess after a short chase. He uh, stopped the car or crashed the car, got out, and had a gun. Um, that's just about all the details that they've been able to release so far. Manny Machado was a Dodger. Tomorrow is when they uh, the Dodgers pick up their second half. They play in Milwaukee, so his first time wearing a Dodger uniform, playing shortstop, I assume. Uh, and then the president has also tweeted that he's ready for his second meeting with uh, with President Trump. I'm um, sorry, President Putin. Putin's talking. He says the, for the first summit with Trump was successful. And uh, he told uh, diplomats today that U.S.-Russian relations are in some ways worse than during the Cold War, but that his meeting with Trump on Monday allowed them to start on the path to positive change. Okay. We're talking about... Wait, I sense a little disbelief there. Maria Butina. I just don't like it when people feed you with a fork a load of BS. Ah. Uh, All right. Uh, 29-year-old Russian national Maria Butina has been arrested on charges of conspiracy, acting as an agent of foreign government. She was canoodling with NRA higher-ups, Republican operatives, and they argue 
that she was trying to influence the Republican Party to be friendlier to Russia by using the NRA, that she did not inform the U.S. government she was acting as a foreign agent on American soil, and that is illegal. Yeah, a couple of other players sort of secondary to all of this in terms of she's definitely the center of it. On one side, you have the guy that's considered her Russian boss, Alexander Torshin, who was a longtime central bank official, believed to be dirty, but a central bank official. And then on the American side, a Republican lobbyist, a guy named Paul Erickson, uh, who she was actually canoodling with. Having sex with okay, and living you, with. Finally, you just put so tear the Band-Aid off. If she is planning to influence American politics, what is the proof, you ask? Well, it turns out she wrote it down. Uh, In March of 2015, this was when the U.S. presidential campaign was just beginning to kick off. She emailed Paul Erickson, the Republican operative and lobbyist Paul Erickson, a proposal for a project called Diplomacy, apparently looking for his feedback. Um, The email itself had a a second subject line, the second Posner. Um, There's an FBI affidavit that says that that may refer to uh, a Russian guy named Vladimir Posner serving in the disinformation department of the KGB showed up on Western television a lot. I just, just sort of a, an homage to an agent long past. The project proposal makes several assertions. Number one, Republicans will likely win control of the U S government in 2016 elections. Uh, but which by the way, I, I saw that that's unusual to me because I don't, I don't know that in March of 2015, very many people believed that. No, because she knew that she was going to make that happen or that they could make that happen. She says the NRA has a central place and influence in the Republican Party since it helps fund political candidates and sponsors events. So they get in with the NRA. They get cozy with them. Suddenly that they have an influence in American politics. Yeah. She listed a potential. uh, She had a list of people of uh, potential media, business, political contacts whom she would meet with off the record. And she was asking for a $125,000 budget from Paul Erickson so that she could participate in all of these upcoming major conferences related to the Republican Party before the 2016 elections. It's like a business perspectives plan to infiltrate the election for the Russians. Right. Now, the thing is, if, if she was trying to do this, the question is on whose behalf? Now, Obviously, the allegation here is that she's doing it for the Russian government or at the very least for very high, powerful people in Russia, uh, which whether or not they're connected to the government is going to be up to you to determine. But it's pretty clear that they appear to be in terms of who is paying the money for all of this and where money may be coming from. That part is unclear, because even though she is reporting to Alexander Torshin, they still refer to a particular money man, a particular funder in all of this, who has deep ties to the Putin administration, but that that's not Alexander Torshin. They said that this Russian oligarch that's, that's been putting the money down on all of this is worth, you know, $1.1, $1.2 billion, but we don't know who that is. Here's the truth of the matter, in my opinion. Vladimir Putin dispatched a number of people when he saw what was happening with the United States and how fractured we are and how we were not getting along. And when you don't get along, when two sides don't get along, it's easy to to infiltrate that. And, and that's exactly what he did. Vladimir Putin has hated Hillary Clinton ever since she, you could argue, 
inf- infiltrated the Russian elections years ago. He's hated her. He wanted anybody but Hillary to win this thing. And when he saw the fractured state of the country, he dove in with these shady broads and, and all the tentacles and, and weaving its way into the NRA. And that's what happened. He wanted to screw Hillary Clinton. It wasn't so much that he wanted Trump elected. And I think that the president right now feels like if the more we expose this, the more we expose the fact that Russia was able to infiltrate our elections, the weaker as a country we are. And the president doesn't want the United States to be weak. He wants the he, he's the antithesis. He, he runs on strength. He built his business on strength, on, on not backing down to anybody, not accepting an inch worth of criticism. And so for us to sit here and harp in the media on how the Russians were able to infiltrate, how easy it was, how they took over social media and the like. Uh, to him, it's embarrassing. And I really think that's where his defense comes from. I don't think that the Trumps were smart enough to c- collude with Russia to make this happen. I, do, I think that they were susceptible to it. I think Donald Trump Jr. was susceptible to that meeting by uh, by uh, a... Yes. But I don't think there was collusion. And I think the fact that he wants it to go away is because it makes us look weak as a country that Russia was able to toy with us. I would say it would make him look weak. He's he's afraid of it making him look weak because it would the sort of logical conclusion would be that Russia did have an impact and did change votes, although that hasn't been proven. That's his concern. That it somehow delegitimizes his presidency if all of this is proven. There's that too. That's um, yeah. But and to that end, um, you talked about the the president. You know, the Trumps, whether it's Don Jr., Donald, Eric, whoever it is, weren't really smart enough to get into this collusion issue. Jared Kushner was, and, and not that he did, but he was smart enough to sniff this out and say, no, 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 we're not going to do this because when she offered up back-channel communications with Russia, even Jared Kushner was like, no, 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 we're not taking these meetings. We're not even going to look into this because there was a a conservative who specified that Alexander Torshin was going to be coming in and they could maybe meet with President Trump at that point or at that point candidate Trump, nominee Trump. Well, and, and, Trump, he, and, 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 and Trump doesn't care enough about the rules to say no. Yeah. Uh, but Jared Kushner, as you point out, did. And that's that's fortunate for the president. All right. We'll wrap this up a little bit, and then we'll get into the story out of uh, New York, this great, uh, unfortunate radio station that has a horrible sales department struggle. Or is this what happens in radio, yeah. and you and I are just sheltered? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm going to go down the hall and ask questions. All right. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Our uh, next News and Brews, next Friday. It's Friday the 27th. We'll be at HQ Gastro Pub in Huntington Beach. Shannon, KFI AM 640, president now saying, well, actually he's not saying whether he's more likely or less likely to sit down with Bob Mueller. Remember, he used to say uh, that he was all for it, but the lawyers may have gotten to him. Also, Harvey Weinstein's legal counsel claiming that he and Ashley Judd had an agreement to let him touch her. This is the weirdest deal. It's and it's easily explainable. I, I, you have to believe Ashley Judd dropped this deal as a way to get out of the situation that she was in in the immediate, in, in like in that instance, she was thinking anything she could to get away from this guy, and never intended to pay up on the debt. Also, Brady Bunch home is for sale. So if you got two million extra dollars sitting around, you can have that house that backs up to the freeway. Two million dollars. 
Uh, what a nostalgia. I guess. We've been telling you the story about Maria Butina. She is the uh, the woman who's now been accused of being a Russian agent. And just to kind of put a, a sort of a bow on all of this, there was a lot of talk once she discussed with her American cohort things that she wanted to do to influence the election in an email. There was a lot of work about uh, back-channel communications between whoever the Republican candidate would be and the Putin government. Now, she was talking with Alexander Torshin, this Russian oligarch central bank guy from Russia, about his plans to meet with Dana Rohrbacher in Russia in August of 2015. In December 2015, she helps pay for another trip to Moscow for a bunch of NRA bigwigs, including then Milwaukee County Sheriff David Clark, one of the faces of the NRA. They, she and Alexander Torshin, go to the National Prayer Breakfast in February 2016. She and her American guy, Paul Erickson, begin a a series of friendship and dialogue dinners in all of this in D.C. and New York. Now, this is about the time that all of the uh, preliminary, what would you call them, the the caucuses and the primaries are being held. And we had a pretty good indication at that point that Donald Trump was going to be the nominee. So at the NRA convention in Louisville, which I was referring to, she decided uh, that this might be a good place for a first contact for some Russian representative to meet with Donald Trump, then candidate Trump. Jared Kushner put the kibosh on that. But they did meet with Don Jr. Now, Don Jr.'s lawyers have said, yeah, all they did was talk about guns. I mean, he's a he's a gun. Don Jr. was taking meetings with anybody because he was jealous of the attention that Jared Kushner was getting True. for having two brain cells to rub together. True. I mean, how many times have we heard the president gush about Jared Kushner? Yeah. How many times have we heard him gush about his uh, his sons? Not not very much. Not very many. Well, everyone in Moscow is blasting this arrest as anti-Russian hysteria. The embassy said in a Facebook post that consular officials will meet with Maria Butina for the first time, will provide her all the necessary help. They say this arrest was driven by uh, domestic politics here and an overall anti-Russian mood. So we'll keep an eye on that. She does have a master's degree. She got a master's degree in May from American University. Well, she's not a dumb dummy. No, she's not. Uh, what? A Can dumb you say man. that on the radio? You probably could. Dumbass. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, again, this is, this is not part of the Robert Mueller investigation. This is not who is trying this. This is the FBI's Washington field office. She's being prosecuted by the U.S. Attorney's Office. This is not under Mueller's purview, at least not what we have seen so far. But remember I referred to the Don Jr. meeting when Jared Kushner said, no, you're not meeting with Donald Trump. They ended up meeting with Don Jr. It was two weeks after that that Don Jr. got the email that says, hey, I have the dirt on Hillary Clinton. Would you want some? And that was, of course, Vesel Netskaya, and that went to the Trump Tower meeting as well where Jared Kushner got up and walked out because he was like, this is ridiculous. I'm never going to do this. All so, right. I mean, there's at least some tangent, uh, tangential connections to all of this. The story that should put all of us on edge. It's a lawsuit against a radio station. WFAN. W-F-A-N. And- oh, you mean WFAN? Sports Radio 66. Excellent. I love that. Why don't we don't? I, I we did in 1978. Singing. That's where that should live. KFI 64. 
Lauren Lockwood worked at WFAN from 2006 until last year. She claims in a lawsuit that the station's executives tolerated a hostile work environment that subjected her to sexual harassment. Oh, boy. Telling tales out of class. Okay, are you suggesting that this happens in every radio station? The particulars of this case, maybe not. Okay. I don't know, Gary. We don't know (laughs) what happens down there in the other parts of the building. We come in here every day. We put together our nice little show, and I think that we're naive to what goes on. Our innocent little show. We will talk about the specifics of this lawsuit when we come back because it involves prostitutes. Wow. Drinking early in the morning. We don't. Well. Well, as early as 10 a.m. I don't think we've ever done that here. I mean, at work. We haven't. (sighs) I don't think. And this guy. Wow. This guy whispering into your ear. Could you imagine those dragon breath and that mustache? And he's had about six cups of coffee and Mm. he comes to you. Should we start doing mimosa Mondays? (laughs) Here's a picture of my wife. All right, we'll tell you all the details when we come back. Hold on. Aw. Isn't that nice? That must have been a morning morning, uh, liner there. Like it's soft and gentle, like they don't want to wake anybody up. You're not going to play that during John and Ken. No. (laughs) That's a good one. That's a little edgier. Do really you have like any more that. of those? That's the afternoon one. That's evening. I like that 640. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's Conway Show. Oh, totally. <laughs> oh, these are great. Uh, one more. That's our show. Oh, my gosh. I want to play those. Would we get in trouble if we played those sporadically throughout no. the day? Why? It's not like there's some other radio station. Let's just keep doing it throughout today, and then if we don't get talked about it, we can uh, make it a thing. All right. Well, how are we going to tease it? So we come up with a tease, and we'll play it underneath. Coming up next, all the sexual harassment and prostitutes and drinking that went on at another radio station. Shannon, big stories today, including the president's uh, Twitter storm this morning once again. Among other things, he said he's ready for his second meeting with Putin. And also said the real enemy of the people is the uh, the fake news media. Told you the story about Maria Butina, this uh, 29-year-old woman accused of being a Russian agent. She is being held without bail. Still a lot of uh, holes in terms of what the government's case is against her and specifically what she may have been doing. But looks like she was trying to use uh, sex, among other things, to get into some of these conservative groups, including the NRA. Second big name to come to L.A. sports scene besides LeBron James is now Manny Machado, who will join the Dodgers, a rental till October. Did you see the news about... uh, Hold on, hold on. He's coming back. If he comes to L.A., 
he's going to love L.A. and he's going to want to stay. Okay. He seems I don't know like, how much love has to do with it. but He seems like that guy. Did you see the story about Jimmy Garoppolo? He went out on a date yes. with a porn star last night after the ESPYs. Kiara Mia is her name. She's 41. Woo! He's 26, I think. Yeah! I don't know much about porn stars. Is there an expiration date on those? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what airbrushing can do. We want to see a picture of her? Uh, she was in a porn spoof of Keeping Up with the Kardashians a couple years ago. She's routinely named like Best Mill for something. Okay. This looks nice. So, Joe Benigno. Benino. Benino yes. was not on the air this morning no. on WFAN. WFAN. Because. Sports Radio 66. Hey, everybody. Welcome to WFAN. It's Blonde and Blonder. They, and uh, we're in for Joe Benino today. They must have known that this sexual harassment lawsuit. A $5 million sexual harassment lawsuit was going to be filed because he was previously scheduled to be off. Or maybe that's just what they say. His co-host, by the way, uh, a guy by the name of Evan Roberts, addressed the elephant in the room saying, I know there's a big story out there. I'm aware of it. I can't talk about it. It's a legal thing. Blah, blah, blah. We're going to use sports as a distraction and do our great sports talk show. I I have a connection to this story. Yeah. I'll tell you at the very end, but I have a connection to this story. So what is he accused of doing in said lawsuit? The lawsuit was filed by a woman by the name of Lauren Lockwood, 40 years old. She sold ads for WFAN and the Yankees radio network. She was a great saleswoman. She sold nearly a million dollars in advertising in 2016. There was an unfortunate incident that happened in July at the McGregor Mayweather fight in, in Vegas where she brought another sales guy who didn't work there anymore he got mouthy. A brawl breaks out over which fighter is is better. She gets in the middle of it. She's suspended the next day and let go. And so this is her reprisal. She says, WFAN was run like a frat house with drinking by employees starting as early as 10 a.m. Okay. Executives buying prostitutes for clients. Yes. She says, on various occasions, Joe Benigno pressured her into having a threesome that he would whisper in her ear about having threesomes with him and his wife and prostitutes. Well, that would be more than three. That'd be like four or five or six threesomes. He showed her a nude photo of his wife with a prostitute and propositioned Lockwood to join them. He was also accused in this 39-page suit of ranking women in the office on the basis of their looks. Oh, and having an affair with a female subordinate in the office for about two years. She says that the work culture at CBS Radio was heavy on drinking, especially pickleback shots. That's my connection to this. Uh, It is. So so I told you the karaoke story. The guy sings Pony by Genuine, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Uh, the, The couple that we were with, the guy asked me if I've ever had a pickleback. And I said, you mean like, look at this photograph. And he says, no, no, pickleback. Like you have a shot of whiskey and then a shot of pickle juice. You can't taste the whiskey after that. And I said, that sounds like a horrible idea. That was the end. That's my connection. So you didn't do the shots? I didn't do my pickleback. They, they, you know what? We asked. They didn't. They were incapable, apparently, they of producing They probably didn't have the that. pickle juice. Everyone's got pickles. Um, 
why? But you know, isn't the don't you want to taste the whiskey if you're drinking a nice whiskey? I guess it's, if it's ghetto whiskey you're drinking, it's safer to taste the whiskey because there's certain right. amount like there it it applies the brakes. If you don't taste the whiskey when it's going down, you get six deep and you're done. In the paper, in the court papers, it says that there were events where CBS radio executives hosted clients. The liquor bill would run as high as four thousand dollars. I've been there. That was like an afternoon with Ray Lopez at the uh, airport in, in Cleveland? Cleveland. The radio executives were supposedly know and permit the practice of taking prospective clients to strip Listen, clubs, especially during spring training make, trips. You've got to make the clients happy. If they want to see strippers, you take them to see strippers. I think that happens in every business. I don't know if that happens here. Well, I was going to leave us out of it. I mean, but how much? Well, here, but that raises the question. Do you want me to go ask down the hall? Well, how far I'll do it? How far will our people go? I for... will go ask that question. How far will you go? I'm on my way right now. I'll have the answer for you coming up after Amy's news at the top of the hour. Thursday, July 19th, a bunch of stories that are going on that we're keeping an eye on. Obviously, locally, uh, the L.A. County Sheriff's Department uh, say that a couple of their deputies killed a man in Pico Rivera overnight. Apparently, at the end of a traffic stop, he got out of the car with a gun. We expect to find some more details out about this pretty soon. Also, the president disagreeing today with Russian President Vladimir Putin's offer to allow Russia to interview the Americans the Kremlin accuses of crimes. (laughs) We'll interview your people if we can interview yours. I don't understand. But. Uh, also, Manny Machado is an L.A. Dodger now, and I think he's got to make a deal with Max Muncy to get number 13. I don't know how that's going to work. It's Machado cash. has, like, a nice backstory. Max Muncy's the rookie, but he's had a killer year. It's cash. I think it's cash and, and maybe even sales department favors. I don't know. Oh, by the way, I did some research <laughs> down there. Yes. And I can't reveal what I know. <laughs> What? That would never happen in the hallowed halls of KFI. KFI 640. It is, uh, it is Thursday, and we like to welcome in our friend. I can say that, right? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Our friend, Justin Warsham, host of The Dad Podcast. Oh. I'm a bad, bad daddy. All around thug. Um, wow. We like to... Talk about issues of children and parenting and other people's kids, et cetera, et cetera. I'm wearing khaki shorts where you can see my kneecaps. That's how thuggish I am. Are they serious? Yeah. yeah, look at this. Not cargo. Okay. Oh, I like those shorts. Yeah. Oh, wow. Here's why. You can't go those... cargo shorts anymore. No, the moms can't. are fighting back. Yeah. Moms yeah. are fighting they, back against the dad should. uni. They as don't like the cargo. They should. I might suggest, though, those are about an inch too short. I stand yeah. up again. I mean, I'm not. I, I'm not at risk of seeing anything I shouldn't. No, no. I'm just Justin, I'm gonna need you to stand up again. Right. Oh, you know what? I would s- do it. Do a turn. Take like okay. two steps back. Yeah, so those I can are see. fine. Take two steps back. All right. Can I see the? Those are totally fine. Okay. Yeah, I can yeah, see just right. the cleft of your quadriceps. Yeah. That's you know what's my important. problem is with yeah. the cargo shorts. Yeah. Is the pockets get baggy yes, and then you I look know. like a homeless. <laughs> They do. They get they get loose. Mm-hmm. Hey, what are you putting in those pockets? Your wallet, your keys, all the stuff that should be in your man purse. Yes, it's like the the, the saddlebags for, yes. for a father. Uh, yeah, but, my wife started buying. This is how you know. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, Gary, but uh, when you are making a fashion faux pas 
and uh, got a couple decades in the relationship as I do, uh, suddenly she just starts buying you shorts right. unsolicited, and you realize that they're not the normal shorts you wear, and that's when I like to do a little thing I call take the hint. Right. <laughs> so I will be donating all of my cargo shorts after very, very. Smart. What are we talking about Homeless today? Uh, here's the thing: we I think this is hilarious. We'll start with this one. We got two topics to cover today. So uh, there, there's they did a survey of parents, and they found that parents were struggling to teach their kids what they call traditional life skills, <laughs> and these include lighting a campfire, hmm. setting up a tent. Building a raft. I don't know what you would need that when for. When do you need that? Right? Can and you just fishing. Buy, buy your way out of that? Yeah, right? Well, so, and what they're finding is, is that a lot of parents now are Googling this information so that they can teach it to their kids. Because we don't know. We, we evidently don't know. You're more yeah. likely to know if you are 44 to 54 than if you are 24 to 34. Do you know these things? Yeah, I mean, here's... When's the last time you built a raft, smarty pants? This morning. That's why my shorts oh. are so high. <laughs> uh... No, I, I've never built a raft. I know how to sail, so I figure that's close enough. Okay. Right? Uh, but the, the my brother, we just did a fishing tournament at my dad's cabin on Father's Day weekend, and I wanted to, you know, my sons wanted to go fishing, but could I compete with my Hulk Hogan mustached, uh, camo cabela, baseball cap wearing, uh, deer urine musk? Uh, brother, no, there's no way, no way I could ever with in the fishing department. He's got multiple backpacks and tackle boxes. He is far more manly than I. So I took a back seat. It was like outsourcing uh, father son moments. Right. <laughs> be like if they were to have a catch, I'd be like stand there going, "You're looking great, kid," but I'm not even catching or throwing the ball. Kids, what it was close like. your eyes when Uncle Dave tells you how to do it. <laughs> exactly. Pretend that it's me telling you how to do it. It's good though to have the uncle have his yeah. special relationship, being the Fisher guy and all that. And that's here's my theory. When I first read this, I was like, "Well, this is laughable, right? This is this is this is the pansy society that we are all becoming." But then. When you start thinking about it, it's like what you said, Gary. Like, how many times do you really need to build a raft? You know what I mean? Like, is it is it that we are losing interest in being outdoors? Or is it that uh, that's just we're becoming – everything is so technological and I there's so many different it. aspects to life that that's not a skill. I well, think that's it. Because right? this generation that you're talking about that's Googling this stuff grew up Googling everything. Right. We grew up with encyclopedias or going and finding out firsthand experience, but they've grown up – if you don't, there's no need not to know. That's right. the slogan, right? Well, I mean, you could extend it also. There's no reason to, not to know. To simple things like changing the oil in your car. Right. I mean, my dad grew up in a time when there there was no Jiffy Lube. There was no there was no you know place that you could take your car and 25 minutes later lube oil and filter are changed. You did it yourself. And, and we was, grew up with Auto Shop. Where well, they we would grew teach up with you. Auto Shop, yeah. but but it was also one of the things like okay. I know this is starting to be a thing, and yes, there's a lube and oil shop down the street, but I'm going to teach you how right. to do it so that you can do it whenever you want. You don't have to wait for the shop to open or close. You could do it late at night, first thing in the morning, whatever you want to do. Because I would venture a guess that all of us, right, when you got a car, usually it was your dad who would go, okay, here's what we're going to do. Like when you bought a used car, you had to fix it, like right. all the things that were wrong with it. And I will create this again with my children. I've already forced them to at least participate in changing the oil in my Camry, even though I mostly take it to the auto shop guy, uh, Jack up the road here. But, uh, but no, I, I made them because I wanted them to, to at least see the steps, right. see what's involved. And there's a fun memory I have of changing the brakes in my dad's car, even when I was young. And it sounds so lame, but then we would always have a sandwich for lunch. 
and I don't know why, but my dad would never make me wash my hands. Mm. So I would, I would well, that's eat part of asbestos-laden yeah. brake oh, pads. Yeah. Whatever. You get those dirty f- fingerprints on the white bread. <laughs> That's that's oh, yeah. manly. It went, it went from Wonder Bread to yeah. like a pumpernickel. You became a man that day, right? And it was you ate all that grease. It was so much fun, and it, and I I think it's that the the other thing that shocks me about this though that I find really interesting is something as simple as toasting a marshmallow. Like when you go camping, it seems so intuitive, right? But when you think about it, you got to practice if you're going to get a nice brown caramelization around even sides because we've got a fire pit now. The kids have roasted marshmallows in the backyard, and so. You got. You All right, realize that, you know it's what? No, this is my cutoff. This is my cutoff. <laughs> I understand googling, building a fire, building a raft, setting up a tent, stuff like that. Googling how to roast a marshmallow. That's Who a, is well, that guy? I mean, the thing is, that's one of those where trial and error yes. is part and of what makes it. It's not the end of the world. You're not going to sink in the yeah. raft. Oh, good Your point tent's by her. not going to fall down on you. You're not going to, bl- you know, not have a fire. What's the worst thing that happens if you roast a marshmallow incorrectly? Do you think ladies, you're right, do you think ladies today are still, it, like, is there, like, I'm really kind of trying to wrap my mind around this new modernization of masculinity. I feel like it's kind of being shifted. You've got some ladies who are into the old school guys who can, who want to eat brake pad laden Wonder Bread. Right. But, uh, but then there's somebody who, want, they, there's some that like a guy who's a little bit more in tune with his emotion. Is it impressive, do you think, to young ladies today to be able to build a fire even. Do you think yes. that's something you, th- yes. you think so? You'll st- always win yeah. points if you I, know how to do like life skills. Like, like you that. could build a fire and just then that's romance, right? That's but yes. romance. Yes. But yes. even uh, even today, I think that that women will suppress that mm. because mm. they don't want to be. It feels arcane. I would right. rather yeah. exactly. have they, a guy build a fire than talk to me about his feelings. <laughs> And I don't think there's anything wrong about that. Oh, we would be divorced so fast. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd have oh. a pile of firewood that oh. is just... I no, I mean, so what's, many but emotional no, seriously, like, it, it goes back to, or not to get all Dr. Wendy, but it goes back to, like, you know, our early beings mm-hmm. and, and what's important and... You know, you need and a we're man different. who can do stuff. And the thing is, we're different. We are different. We're, we're very, we're, I, I, regardless, I mean, you could give me a hundred men on one side of the room and a hundred women, and I can make some generalizations about uh, who is going to be more likely to talk about their feelings and who is more likely to learn how to start a fire and who is, I mean, th- it's, it's okay to know that we are built differently. Yeah. Uh, and that. When you make generalizations like that based on gender, it's still it's still accurate. Of course, there are exceptions to everything, but it's still accurate to say that. Yeah, I'm a, see, I'm afraid to say it. Like, it. I, I, it's it's more accurate to say, what, say exactly what she said that women would be more impressed by a guy who can do these things without being asked, without googling them. Uh, somebody who could build furniture, somebody who could build the I fire, love the Amish. shelter, something like that. Yeah, Are the wise? Amish the people that build furniture? Yep. Yep. Okay. And wagon wheels. You'd think that they would be always on the cover of People's Sexiest Man Alive, though. I mean, they could do a lot more than Clooney ever could. They can. In That's the workshop. Point. They don't drink. They don't carouse. Or they at don't, least. They don't whore out. Put your hands together and make it Nick Offerman. He should be the sexiest they man alive. They don't bathe. That's okay. probably why. The Amish don't bathe? Not too well. well. Neither does McConaughey. I've been pretty close to them, oh, and they. I've I'm never been that close better to the Amish. Well, consider yourself lucky. But it's also a thing if you get to something's very specific, like you want to bleed the brake lines in your car. Right. That I could see as a uh, a quick. Hey, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'll be with you in a few minutes. We'll go bleed the. <laughs> YouTube. How do I bleed the brake? 
Um, I mean, there are some things that you're going to have to do. You're going to have to research before you jump. The in. Amish do share bath water. They share bath water? Yeah, they have like outhouses with big baths. Hmm. There's and, no deodorant and stuff, man. Um, they have lavender and sage like cowboys. It gets yeah. ripe. So they make Amish soap. Wait, is Blake There's here on Rumspringer? Why does he know all this stuff? I don't know. I spent quite a bit of time with the Amish and the Mennonites. Things happen. After we come back, we're going to find out yeah, about Blake's that's history. something to unpack in another day. Uh, all right, helicopter parenting. Yeah! Uh, a travel through the... Uh, through the hills of Pennsylvania. If you're a parent and you think that other super parent is doing so much better than you, when we come back, we're going to tell you why they're destroying that their parent child. Sucks. A, a reminder, we're going to be live. Our next news and brews is going to be a week from tomorrow. We'll be at uh, HQ Gastro Pub in Huntington Beach from 10 until 2. They're going to open early for us. So come on out, have some fun, have some lunch, have some beer, or whatever you choose to drink. We don't care because we are KFI. KFI. Gary and Shannon, big stories of the day. The president calling uh, the media the real enemy of the people, saying that there will be a second meeting uh, with, with Putin, although also saying today he disagrees with Putin's offer to allow the United States to question 12 Russians accused of interfering in the election in exchange for letting Russia interview Americans the Kremlin accuses of unspecified crimes. Uh, some of the people who would be interviewed say that would be their death sentence if they were taken. To of course it would be. Um, Manny Machado is a Dodger. Uh, he will make his debut. It's expected tomorrow in Milwaukee when the Dodgers travel there to kick off their second half of the season, now in first place. And the L.A. County Sheriff's Office... Still hasn't released a whole lot of details about this uh, shooting from overnight, but deputies killed a guy in Pico Rivera at the end of a uh, small, or I should say short, chase where he got out of the car with a gun in his hand. So we'll, we'll try to find some more information about that. We're talking with Justin Warsham. He is the host of the Dad Podcast and comes in every Thursday and talks to us about some fun parenting stuff. And helicopter parenting, for, first of all, the definition, I assume, is just people... Parents who are just overbearing or yeah, overscheduling, overcontrolling. I when I I like the way that they defined it here uh, in this study. But what do you, when you guys think of the term helicopter parenting? Because I think a lot of people make assumptions about it, but we don't really have a technical I, definition. I see it as parents who are on top of their kids all the time. Yes, and I would I would say that I would I've always thought of helicopter parenting be more being more of a thing when your kids should be independent, like once they get closer to teenage years and even into college years. Yeah. But uh, what, I, what they found is, is that what it really starts out is when they're young, and these are kids who ma- uh, parents who make the choices for their kids. So even when the kid's playing, they're constantly with the kid playing and not playing with them, but guiding them through their play. And they, they followed 422 kids of different economic backgrounds uh, for eight years, and they did check-ins with them at 2, 5, 8, and 10. And what they found was is that uh, of the parents that they would define as helicopter parents, and they would, they would bring them in and say, just here's a space, play with them the way you would play at home. The parents that would tell the kids how to play with the toy or if the kid did something you know, unorthodox with it or something, go, no, no, this is what you do. Those, those kids at age two and especially at age five had a very uh, strong difficulty dealing with negative emotions and negative experiences. In this play space in the study, was there an open bar? Mm. 
Maybe, but it was like in the corner as yeah. like a trap. Yeah. Like just for, because I'm, I'm, they're all psychologists, so they're mandated reporters, right? That's so if, true. If all of a sudden mom goes, you just play over there, I'm going to make a Tom Collins real quick. Then I'll say, it's like, whoop, whoop. And they, you know, somebody's going to the who's cow. But um, they, and the thing that I really thought was interesting, because they follow the kids as they got older. Those kids at age five that struggled uh, to control their own emotions through negative experiences, understandably so, but also kind of heartbreakingly developed issues uh, socially. And then those would also uh, develop into academic issues as well. So the, the moral of the story is, is that when your kid is, you don't want to deflect your kid from having a negative experience, even at a young age, obviously you don't want to, you know, create an obstacle course in the backyard and run them through it to, to see what they can handle or <laughs> send them through Navy SEAL buds training or anything like that. But you, you want to let them experience things, and when you, when you see that they're upset, rather than telling them what to feel, that's the other thing that they would say. They go, you know, no, this, stop it, or any of that stuff. They, they suggest that you teach them coping mechanisms. The one I like to use is I try to tell my kids to breathe until they can calm down and control their emotions. Uh, that doesn't mean they're going to listen. Mine don't. I, I keep saying, well, I, I'm giving you what you should do to stay calm. And then I've learned from uh, Dr. Tina Payne Bryson, who uh, co-wrote the book, the whole brain child. She also has a great book called No Drama Discipline. That uh, kids, when they're this age of like two to five, the the emotion until they get about ten, the emotional side of their brain develops much faster than the logical side of their brain. Understandably so. So when we see kids throw like a temper tantrum and it makes no sense, it's because the brain is just firing off, telling them all these things to feel, and they, they don't know it. So your job is to first calm down the emotion and then try to connect the logic and explain, like, kind of say, well. Do you think this is something we should be getting this upset about? That kind of stuff. I just feel like there's a there's a point where parents are stepping into these helicopter parents are stepping into situations that they shouldn't. Yes. And I'll use the example. I mean, one of these days, and I, we, this is a it's a much longer conversation. But there's there was a one instance where I had to go to bat for my son. There were a couple, but I had to go to bat for my son um, against his high school administration and. Uh, there were certain things, you know, up until that point, maybe it was a conflict with friends or even a conflict with a coach or something like that, where I've seen other parents take on the mantle and you stay there, kid. I'll go talk to your coach like you're and a show them what's up. Yeah. And, and that doesn't help your child at all. I mean, they've got to learn how to deal with apples in this world. And, you know, mom and I are here for you, but. You know, this is your battle. If you don't like the way the coach did practice or you didn't like that he sat you down, he told us at the beginning of the season, I don't, I don't answer to parents unless the kid comes to me first. I said, so that's your first step is you're going you're gonna to be the one who goes and solves the problem. You talk to your teacher. You talk to your coach. You, you get it out of your system first. If that doesn't work, I'm your backup plan. Mm-hmm. And when I come in, the howitzers are coming. But but <laughs> but you do it first. And ninety five percent of the time, they handle the situation just fine. As awkward, scary, frightening as it might be, they learn. Oh, if I confront this head on, or if I'm the one who takes the initiative to solve the problem, then the coach respects me more. My teacher understands what I was saying, or whatever. So, and that's what they the experts found from this research is that they said a better role in your in your kids' social conflicts or just any kind of negative experience is more of one of a counselor. Like, let them take a stab at it and don't direct them. You're not you're not really even I guess guide is the word I want to say, but no, you don't want to push them. You want to be there to answer questions. You want to give them tools, but they have to practice using those tools in order for them to get good at it. Right. right? 
muscle. It's yeah. their muscle. They got to learn how to use it. I like that example because I, of the brain being like a muscle. If we really see it, because if you don't let them use it, dealing with negative experience, it atrophies. And if you use it too much by giving them too many negative experiences, then it gets injured. Right? God, there's so much to think about. Well, here's the other thing too. There's a guy. You're, it's not. A, you're not wrong, Shannon. In my opinion, but and this is a, like on I, how not to screw up your kid. Right. Like there's just so many gears that. <laughs> and I think it's because of, of things like what we what I come to here with. Right. There's so much to talk about. There's so much research out there, but our parents weren't concerned with that. And I'm really wrestling <laughs> with this idea of like how. How good is being so educated, really? Yeah. You know, my dad always had this thing where he's like, you want to have all your kids before you're 30. And I was like, why? He goes, well, the closer you can have them to your early 20s, you're too, you're too stupid to know to do the right thing, so you can't mess them up. Which is like you kind of leave them alone a little bit. It's an interesting philosophy. <laughs> and he's, his philosophy is the older you get, where you would think you'd be more financially and emotionally prepared, you actually get too involved and you get in the way. Yeah. Justin, thank you thank so you. much. Justin Worsham, host of the Dad Podcast, joins us every Thursday at 11 a.m. Coming up next, a guy sentenced to life for murdering a couple in Davis just a handful of years ago. He could be out soon. Thank you, Jerry Brown. Jerry Brown. Tell you all about it when we come back. Gary and Shannon. President's been at it again today, tweeting out that he is ready for his second meeting with Vladimir Putin. We uh, we know that he also referred to the media as the true enemy of the people. Fake news media is the true enemy of the people today. Also, Harvey Weinstein going after Ashley Judd, saying that he had it in her contract that he could touch her. We'll tell you all about that when we come back next. But wanted to tell you about the morning of April 14th, 2013. There was a kid just a couple days shy of a 16-year-old, a 16 uh, birthday. He's going to turn 16 in a couple days. His name was Daniel Marsh. He's walking around Davis, California. He had been fantasizing for years now about killing someone, and the desire to kill just kept persisting. And on this early morning in April, he was determined to do it. He was just wandering around a few doors down from his father's condo when he decides to finally commit the murder. He cuts a flap in a window screen, and he climbs through into this condo. He waits, he hears snoring, then he enters the master bedroom. He expected one person in there for his fantasy, but he saw two. The two people were 87-year-old Chip Northrup and his 76-year-old wife, Claudia. They were asleep in their bed. Daniel was wearing all-black clothing, including a mask, jacket, and gloves. He had a six-inch buck knife. Again, he was out to murder that day. He stood in the room a few minutes while they slept, thinking how he was going to kill them. He felt elated, he told detectives. His body was trembling. At one point, Claudia wakes up, 76-year-old Claudia. She sees Daniel Marsh, and she screams. What does Daniel do? He stabs her in the torso, over 
and over and over as she pleads for him to stop, pleads for his life. That's when Chip wakes up and Daniel stabs him in the throat, goes on to stab them both again repeatedly and repeatedly. He told detectives in his interrogation that it just felt right. He ended up being 17 when he was sentenced in September of 2014 to prison. Uh, the sentence of 52 years to life, right? As Makes you sense. can as you can imagine, I mean, he, was, he was tried as an adult because of the premeditation, because of the fantasies, because of it being a horrific first degree murder with special circumstances. There's no way that he was going to be tried as a juvenile. But then comes in Proposition 57. And Proposition 57 requires that judges determine whether minors charged with certain crimes are tried in juvenile or adult court. Now, he was convicted and sentenced before Prop 57 took effect, but an appeals court has decided in a four-page opinion that they would apply the rule retroactively for Sweet Daniel. Sweet Daniel will get a chance to have his case kicked down to juvenile court so that he could be out in four years. Yeah, so uh, in October, um, beginning the first week of October, they are expecting what could be as much as two weeks of testimony, not necessarily reliving the case, although some of the details of it will be brought back up, but whether or not the 52-year-to-life sentence for him will stand or whether he would be found suitable for juvenile court. Claudia and and Chip's family, as you can imagine, and friends were horrified by what had happened. Some of them even moved away. Now, here's here. Okay, this is this is my problem with what goes on with props 47, 57 and AB 109 is that you've got people who whose lives, for the most part, are never touched by violent crime. I, I think we're lucky. I'm lucky to have never had any lost anybody in a situation like this where violent crime was the reason for their death uh, or to be, have been victimized by, you know, burglars, whatever it is. And you've got people who live in a world where it's shattered by something like this. I mean, just absolutely torn apart, whether your friends, close friends, family uh, lose their life in a situation like this and you run up head to head into a brick wall with Proposition 57. And Wayne Ginsburg was one of uh, one of Chip's bandmates. And he says, this is very frustrating. We're emotionally and intellectually having problems with this. Now, get that. They, they can't even wrap their heads around a law that would allow this to happen. But other people hold up Prop 57 as the way that we're going to make California great again. Or whatever BS they used... To put this thing in pro- in place, this is the toll that it takes. I understand when there are people that work in appeals or the Innocence Project that are looking at cases where it looks like somebody was wrongly convicted. I understand that. But when you take a case like Daniel Marsh, who admitted because it just felt right to killing two people that he planned to go out and kill, that he had fantasized about killing for six years, to sit there and poke holes in that prosecution is disgusting. And that is not what California is about. But unfortunately, it is. Because of 5747 and AB 109. Apparently, that's what we do here. We've got panels of appeals judges who want to write four pages on how sweet Daniel should get another shot. You want this guy out walking around in four years in your neighborhood? Fine. Put him right next to you. But don't try to wreak havoc on the rest of us with this crap. I must have said a bad word.
Victoria Heard is Claudia's oldest daughter. She was there every day of that trial to listen to the horrific details of how her mother was killed. She wasn't there yesterday when this uh, appellate court ruling was was, uh, unveiled. But she said she will be back to the Yolo County Courthouse for the transfer hearing that starts in October. Her quote is, my family has done all of this work to rise above it, to do the compassionate things, to heal ourselves. This is just so wrong to have victims have to go through this. It's really disappointing. It feels like even our state isn't protecting us. Do you know why it feels that way? Because they're not. It's not. It's it, California now. It's all about protecting the criminals. How? It's all about, uh, you know, it, it, the, the prisons are overcrowded. So the, the option is to just the only option is just to let people free. I, that is just the thing I just will never be able to understand. It should never have been an option on the table. And now we're retroactively going and giving people another chance when they've admitted to cold-blooded murder. Yeah, and the not, hell are we doing? Not even like a – this isn't embarrassing. This isn't sort of a waffle one. I mean this no, isn't one exactly. you're like, ah, I don't know. It's right. like second-degree murder. He didn't mean to, but he did and did something stupid. It's a stupid. death penalty case if he wasn't 17. He brutally mutilated these people. Now I'm depressed. Now let's talk about Harvey Weinstein because, boy, that's a lot more fun, isn't it? Uh, the latest in the Harvey Weinstein story is that uh, he says, now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I had a deal with Ashley Judd. I'll tell you all about that. But we'll also tell you that next Friday, a week from tomorrow, is our next News and Brews out at HQ Gastropub in Huntington Beach. You come. You bring a friend. You bring everybody from the office. Uh, come and watch us do the show from you 10 o'clock until 2 o'clock. You don't even need to bring a friend because you'll meet friends. Everyone makes new friends oh, at a, these events. That's a good point. Come as a, Just come alone and you'll end up with somebody. I mean, as a friend with somebody. That's what I mean to say. This is the Marks of California. That's a good one. Darkness right in front of me, oh, it's calling out, and I won't walk away. I would always open up the door. Always looking up behind the Gary and Shannon, big story this hour. Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen says she has not seen evidence that the Russians meddled in the 2016 election to help elect Donald Trump. Countering, of course, the U.S. intelligence agency's assessment. Do you think Donald Trump got on the horn and said, hey, Kirsten, I need you to uh, do me a solid here? Oh, no. She said, and here's her quote, I haven't seen any evidence that the attempts to interfere in our election infrastructure was a favor to a particular party. Ah, well, that's different. If she's saying she doesn't think that they helped Trump, that's different than saying... She didn't see any evidence. But the intelligence community is saying that they hacked into the GNC. So that would be favoring one party, wouldn't it? That's what the intelligence community has said. Well, yes, I guess it would. They have said that it's not clear that it did change the votes of people. Good Lord. (laughs) Uh, Manny Machado is a Dodger now, thankfully. he. uh, I guess if you're a Dodger fan, Blake likes it. You seem to smile every time I say his name. He didn't wear a shirt on the red carpet. That's all right. That's L.A. This is what the kids do. I mean, I suppose it's more Miami than it would be That's L.A. Manny Wood. Yeah. That is Manny Wood, isn't it? Mm. Harvey Weinstein's lawyers have asked a federal judge to dismiss a defamation lawsuit that was brought by Ashley Judd. Uh, it charges Weinstein 
with ruining her career because she rejected his sexual advances. Now, his legal counsel has countered with the claim that Weinstein and Ashley Judd had a bargain that allowed him to touch her if she won an Academy Award in one of his films. That is their argument. Not that he didn't touch her or that he wanted to, but that it was in her contract. This is probably the biggest brass, bald uh, legal argument I've seen in a long time. Yes. That this guy somehow suggests that that was <laughs> not not necessarily that it was a binding agreement, that he somehow believes that now he uh, she owes it to him or something, but his excuse that that's what the deal was. Ashley Judd's attorney denies there was ever such a deal. Says the actress was simply trying to escape Weinstein's clutches. Well, all you got to do is produce the contract. Where's the contract? Get a forensic lawyer in there. Go through the pages and and look at it. Look at the fine print. Her lawsuit against him back in April said that he blackballed her in Hollywood and sabotaged her because she was supposed to get a role in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Uh, The suit said that Harvey Weinstein dissuaded the director of those films, Peter Jackson, and his partner from casting Ashley Judge because Ashley Judd because she rejected him at the Peninsula Hotel in Beverly Hills. Uh, one of the many people who have now accused Harvey Weinstein of similar instances. I wonder how often that happens. I have a feeling it wasn't just Harvey Weinstein that would tell producers and directors who to put in their movies based on who was. Put now. Agreeable. Well, here's the thing. What uh, I want to know what the conversation was between Peter Jackson and Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. Peter Jackson's like, hey, I got this uh, great role, and I was thinking about uh, maybe uh, Ashley Judd. And uh, Harvey Weinstein goes, nah, you don't want that. Doesn't Peter Jackson say, well, why not? Well, it has gone along with Ashley Judd's reputation that she's eccentric at best. And she's a little nuts. So he could have uh, said, she's, she's nuts. Um, I suppose, sure. Now, according to documents, uh, Ashley Judd said that once she was inside the hotel room there at the Peninsula Hotel in Beverly Hills, uh, she deflected his advances by saying, uh, let's make this deal. You can touch me only after I win an Academy Award in one of your movies. Um, and he says... When you get nominated. And she says, no, when I win. That sounds like Ashley Judd trying to get out of a bad conversation in a hotel room. Right. I, <laughs> why? First of all, why that would be a deal. A verbal contract, I guess he's arguing. Well, why would he believe that that was an actual deal? Um, uh, I, don't think, I don't think that he does. I just think that's a dirty ass lawyer coming up with a, a spin argument. They're talking about what the one thing that her lawsuit would do is actually kind of stretch the bounds of sexual harassment for a couple of different reasons. I mean, they didn't at that point, they they didn't have an employee employer relationship. And there's also some question of statute of limitations since this was way back in 1998. Is it still prosecutable? But. There were other allegations of this same exact thing. Mira Sorvino is one actress who says that that uh, Harvey Weinstein and Bob Weinstein both dissuaded directors from putting Mira Sorvino in 
their movies because she would not acquiesce to his demands. This guy just seems like a the idea that he would then fight back and say, no, 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 we had a deal. It was our deal. All right, coming up next, everything that you need to know about, everything that's trending, we'll get you up to speed. But one thing you need to know is that we are going to be out at News and Brews coming up next Friday. This is going to be in Huntington Beach at HQs. It is going to be a great time, 10 to 2. Lie your way out of work. Just start now. I mean, either you make the request now to have the day off or... No, 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 don't you, do that. Never do I'm that. I'm just saying that I mean, if you, if can you get, can't okay, do that... Okay, right. Then start planning the situation, yeah. whether it's a vacation or I mean a, a vacationing relative maybe in town that you yeah. have to see or is sick or a fall. If you're planning on a fall, fall like on Wednesday, come into work on Thursday, but just be an unbearable pain and you have to take the Friday off. Just, just yeah, it. just, you know, just take the weekend and start thinking about what symptoms you want to come down with next week. Lay the groundwork for your lies. Gary and Shannon will continue after this. is Los Angeles. Republicans block an attempt this morning to subpoena that interpreter who sat in with President Trump's one-on-one meeting with Vladimir Putin. We'll talk about that coming up when we go live to Washington at the bottom of the hour in Swamp Watch. Also, Manny Wood. Manny Wood Part 2. Manny Machado comes to the Dodgers. Cute video yesterday of Justin Turner and Alex Wood on a boat in Tahoe getting the news on their phone. Phone pinging. And we got Manny. We got Manny. It was very cute. I have a surprise segment I'm going to spring upon you next segment, by the way. Oh, yeah. I do like surprises. Question mark. I think it'll be okay. I think you'll make it through. But oh. it's, I just feel it's something I should tell you. You're not bringing in, like, interventionists, are you? Hey, what else is going on? Time for What's Happening. Well, like I just said, the Dodgers have made the biggest splash of the season, acquiring Manny Machado from the Orioles in exchange for five prospects. This is the fruit of the labor that is the Dodgers' new ownership policy when it comes to getting guys from, well, Cuba, pretty much. Looks like the prospects that they have, uh, some of them are from that program. Going to need some bullpen help, though. Still going to need some bullpen help, but that's why they are now uh, the World Series odds, according to Odds Shark. The Dodgers are fourth in line in terms of the likelihood that they would win the World Series. Houston is still number one. Boston is close second. And then the Yankees, and then the Dodgers. Um, no one else. It looks Where like. Where are the Giants in the odds? Um, farther down. But what's funny is they're still above Colorado, even though the Giants are four games out right now. They're above Colorado when it comes to the uh, the odds. That wasn't very so. nice. I didn't mean to do that. I know what you're doing. I don't mind saying it. Did you hear the story about the guy in Berkeley? <laughs> Homeless guy gets into a house in Berkeley. I guess somebody had left a, a window open. And his name is Eddie Lankford III. He's 35, and this was in the Elmwood neighborhood. Happened Monday morning. That window was unlatched. And about noon, the person who lives in the house, who is out of town, tells police that his house cleaning service had called to tell him that an unknown guy 
had answered the front door when they arrived Monday morning for the cleaning. He told them he was working on the house and they could take the day off. Officers arrive. They discover the open window. They make entry and they hear the sound of running water. Looks like Eddie had stopped to take a shower in the house. (laughs) Eddie? They did find meth in Eddie's belongings, and they did learn later on that before his shower, he had taken the guy's 2016 Tesla to go shopping. Oh. So Mm. he breaks into a house, steals the car to go shopping, comes back and takes a shower. Yes. Well, he went out to get shower and soap and stuff. It's it's Berkeley. It's Berkeley, so he'll probably be awarded a key of the city. Well, I... He's being held $35,000 bail at the Brickley Jail. How far, how far is the GoFundMe page up for this guy? <laughs> I wanted to know, what does the what does the Brickley Jail look like? A garden. Probably a garden with, with no walls, no bars. Yeah, just Bunch like of squishy toys. Cushions. Happiness. Squishy toys. Hot, free-flowing. And a lot of patchouli and essential oils. Mm, Birkenstocks. Metro police in Nashville arrested a guy after they said he used a baby monitor to spy spy on a female co-worker. Mm-hmm. 35-year-old dude charged with wiretapping and aggravated burglary. Um, the woman found the baby monitor underneath her bed in her home. Is pretty sure that he's the guy who, t- who put it there. Well, there's only so much you could see with a camera that's under the bed. I don't even think it's a camera. I think it's just the just wants to hear the, the sounds. Audio. Yeah, you wanted to hear some stuff going down. Yeah, and the thing is, when I had baby monitors in my house, they were they were battery operated. I don't even think we had the ones that you could plug in. So I'm assuming his was the one you plug in and then just turn on and leave on. It could be the camera ones though too, so we could get a little shot of the the female the bottom of the mattress ankles. Or maybe it was maybe like into knowing, ankles. Maybe, maybe it's knowing guy. when she was getting into the bedroom. It, maybe he had like a longer plan. And so he knows when she's gone into and gone to bed or something. Maybe there was more pieces to it. Nick, could we do a, could we get, do a quick favor? Just call HR. We get Blake quick. fired. Yeah, real quick. If, That'd be great. That's appropriate for Blake mm-hmm. to think that way. Jillian Flynn. What? All right. Uh, the story. <laughs> the uh, uh, Brady Bunch house is for sale. Here's the story. Yeah. Of a lovely lady. If you're interested, the house at 11222 Dilling Street. Um, is up for sale. I remember when I was a youth and I found out that the Brady Bunch was a blended family. I thought, what? How cool is that? Uh, no. I thought it was odd. I guess I didn't know a lot of blended families that had 20 kids apiece. Wow. But they all lived harmoniously. Judge. Except for Jan and Marsha. Gee. No, I was a youth. I mean, I was a I was a very small child. By the way, this house, this three bedroom, two bath house, is not where they filmed the show. No, this was the this exterior. This was just shot. The, sh- the opening, closing shots. Yeah. But they did say that this has been kept up and is in pristine condition. The original owners bought it for sixty one thousand. Sorry, the current owners bought it in sixty or seventy three for sixty one thousand dollars. Which means this is the first time that this house will have changed hands since the Brady Bunch was on TV. It is asking $1.885 million. What is this, Studio City? Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think that that's... It's probably a, a little high, but I bet those homes go for a million dollars. Yeah, I, I wonder if the notoriety drives that price up. Or I'm sure how, it I, does. By, by how much by does how much. the notoriety price yeah. up? Okay. 
Uh, you didn't get a chance to hear this on Monday, but there was a story of the San Francisco mayor, the new Mon- uh, mayor, London Breed, mm-hmm. saying that she's seen more feces on the streets than You're ever before. Of San Francisco. Is this the worst you've seen that? I will say um, that there is more there's more feces on the sidewalks than I've ever seen. Okay. Well, there was a 20-pound bag, plastic, clear plastic bag of human feces that was found on the sidewalk in San Francisco two weeks ago. A 20-pound bag? 20-pound bag. Well, the problem now extends to Burning Man. In a recent report, the Bureau of Land Management, who owns the property where Burning Man is held, describes the proliferation of attendees who have forgotten how to use restrooms. What do you expect? This is especially a problem in the deep playa, which is Spanish for deep playa, an area far away from the center of the festival and from portable toilets. If I went to Burning Man, I would be shocked if I didn't see human feces. The government's proposal is to offer poop bags and pee bottles. No, we're not doing that. This is Occupy. Is what this is. Who's going to Burning Man for this? What happened to the cuddle puddles where everyone relieved themselves appropriately in certain facilities and then came back and cuddle puddled? Cuddle puddled? What? Oh, you weren't here for that? No. Orgy tent? Uh, no, no, it's not the orgy tent, Blake. Stop jumping to conclusions like that. That <laughs> there's, was another thing I was making sure. Yeah, there's the orgy tent where you go and you can have orgies. Oh, good. And then there's the cuddle yeah, puddle because tent. That sounds nice. After 14 hours in the desert sun with sand blowing into every crevice. Hey, let's go get it on. What's a cuddle puddle? Uh, it's when everybody cuddles together and they're so sweaty that it's, it's puddly. You nailed that. Thanks. You nailed it. When we come back, I have a surprise segment for Shannon. I am excited. This may, well, uh, it could potentially change you. And I think you should be very. Why are you trying to change me? I'm not trying to change you. I'm just looking out for you. Let me be That's what I'm doing. We'll do Swamp Watch at the bottom of the hour as well. Don't forget, next Friday, a week from tomorrow, we're going to have our next News and Bruce. We're going to be live in Huntington Beach at HQ Gastro Pub. Uh, they're going to open up early, as a matter of fact, for us. So we'll do the show live from 10 o'clock until 2 p.m. and then pass out blankets for everybody to go take a nap on the beach. I can't believe on a station of this caliber we would ever talk about cuddle puddles. What do you mean? This is the world's greatest radio station. This is the world's greatest radio station. Los Got a live orchestra for that Man, one. Man, it's awesome. Bringing those back. We've devolved. Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and Shannon. Senate has gone on record against allowing Russia to question U.S. officials. This was uh, Vladimir Putin's idea. Oh, sure, you you can question the Russians. We'll uh, question the Americans that we want to question. Um, no. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Locally, there's uh, a couple of different stories. Number one, uh, the L.A. County Sheriff's Department says that uh, deputies shot and killed a guy at the end of a chase in Pico Rivera overnight. 
very early this morning, about 2 o'clock, there was a short chase. He got out of the car with a gun, uh, and that's when he was shot and killed. Not a whole lot of details about that. But the big uh, sports headline of the day is that Manny Machado is now a Dodger. It's official. Uh, everything got finally worked out yesterday at this time. We are saying there were some snags with the physicals, but Manny will make his uh, first uh, appearance as a Dodger n- tomorrow in Milwaukee, tomorrow afternoon. So, so what is this uh, surprise? Okay, well, I know. Do you recognize the music? I do recognize the music. That's the music to Intervention. It is the uh, music. Or is it My 600-Pound Life? No, that's that's Intervention. You had it right. You okay. nailed it. Um, and then there's a song they play at the end, which I'll see how this goes. But what do you think of when I do this? Bacon? You smell bacon, don't you? I do. What if I drop my phone? Rub some bacon on it. Or encounter my clone? Rub some bacon on it. I get mononucleosis. Rub some bacon on it. My nude pics get posted. All right, Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine has bad news for people like you. What do they know at Johns Hopkins? That's exactly what they would say in it's the like intervention. A, like, you guys like, don't know what's good for me. They're like a phoenix. John, what? Like phoenix University? Yeah. University of Phoenix. Yeah. Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine has a study that looked at the medical histories of 1,100 people with and without psychiatric disorders. Oh, boy. And found... So this is the problem? ...that eating processed meats has been linked to an increased risk of manic episodes. Wow. Because I eat processed meat for breakfast and lunch. Because I'll usually just, you know, have a, a plate of salami for lunch, which is processed meat. Yes, you can say that again. So this is the issue with me, huh? Too many processed meats? Patients diagnosed with mania, an abnormal mental state characterized by hyperactivity, euphoria, and insomnia. Three more times, uh, sorry, more than three times more likely. Or maybe you're just a happy person. To have recently consumed meat. And excitable, which is why you can't sleep well. You're excited because you get to eat bacon and salami for food every day? Possibly. Researchers also did a series of experiments on rats and found that the animals exhibited signs of manic-like hyperactivity after just a few weeks of being on a diet with added nitrates in it. They said that when they looked through the health histories of these 1,100 people, there was not one other food that had any significant associations with psychiatric disorders. I How many think, hot dogs you had in the last week? One. I think that as psychiatric disorders go, mm-hmm. being in a state of euphoria and having a little bit of insomnia is not a terrible one. You know, it's not like it causes extreme depression or, uh, you know, suicidal thoughts or anything like that. It, it makes you happy. What I'm getting from your study and the fine researchers at Johns Hopkins is it, uh, processed meats make you happy. And you're so happy that you don't even want to take time to go to sleep at night. Can't insomnia lead to like a lack of grasp on reality? Yes, yeah, Doctor no, Blake. Super healthy. Yes. I don't really have insomnia though. Okay. I mean, I do. I am excitable. I do have states of of hyperactivity. Mania can last anywhere between several weeks to a few months. The thirty eight thirty eight years. years yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a common symptom of bipolar disorder, but can also affect those with a schizoaffective disorder. Those in a manic state may experience that elevated mood 
that uh-huh. we often see you in, uh, some delusional thoughts. It can sometimes lead to dangerous risk-taking behavior. Why are you looking at me like that? I just have I'm not the of... one who stormed a stage at a live stand-up event. Really? I also didn't tear the carpet in a hotel in Chicago trying to do the that was, jump well, from, that was with your dirty face. dancing. That was the dirty dancing lift, which many people, many, many people everywhere try to reenact. However, you did uh-huh. kind of live vicariously through him when he stormed the stage because I was the other person next to you mm-hmm. and I got to hear the entire... You goading him up there? Thank you, Dr. Blake. As the, so sober, the, question, as the sober one the, in the room. The question today, Shannon, is yeah. will you accept our help? Where are you going to send me? I'd love to go to the desert. I heard Santa Fe is beautiful for treatment. Where they have treatment at Burning Man. Um, Where, are you, are you going to pay for me to go to a treatment center for a week? There's a place in Prescott, Arizona. You have to room with a guy named Harvey, but would you be no, willing to go? No. Come on. But I would like to go to a, uh, one of those nice rehab places for a while. You ride horses. Yeah. You know, you just wake up, you do yoga. Uh, you know, you have a cappuccino. I just imagine that when we check back in with you, like, 54 days later, I'm wearing, off bacon. I'm wearing, like, a rug. <laughs> you let your hair go and you look like uh, witchy poo from the Bugs Bunny cartoons. I, I'm making my own jewelry. <laughs> I wear moccasins. All of them are bacon uh, patterned. <laughs> Shannon is 54 days clean. <laughs> and she hates it. All right, coming back, we'll get into Swamp Watch. Talk about what's going on in Washington, D.C. A lot of headlines we got to get through. This music makes me so sad. Isn't it great, though? Fantastic. Because they're always in the car, and they've got, like, a lit cigarette, and the windows are rolled up, (laughs) and their eyes are bloodshot, and they're just starting the earliest stages of withdrawal. Oh, and they're on that plane. That plane has just got to be nutso with them just freaking out. And those pajamas that they wear are never clean. I mean, they haven't seen a washing machine in weeks. Look who's talking. Gary and Shannon will continue right after this. Look who's talking. Like, I don't wash my I was, clothes. I know. I, it doesn't even make any sense. When I say it, we can't talk after that. We just have to throw it to Amy. So when we play the jingle, I go, look who's talking. Porn, Blake. I was looking at Jimmy Garoppolo's date last night. Who is a porn star? Ah, She's 41. It. He's 26. So? I can't. So it's a 15-year difference. What are you saying? Um, I'm just pointing it out. Uh, yeah, I'm going to click off that. Big stories of the day. Uh, Senior Army General <laughs> says he has no new guidance about a Trump Putin summit because the president's been talking about meeting with Putin uh, a second time. Uh, Trump also laid into the Federal Reserve today saying he's not thrilled about interest rate heights. Closer to home, it's Manny Fever. Yeah, Manny Machado is now a Machado, sorry, is now officially a Los Angeles Dodger. He'll be putting on the uniform uh, tomorrow in Milwaukee, as a matter of fact, when they take on the Brewers to start their second half now in the lead in the National League West. Um, and then of the story also about that spy in the 10 o'clock hour, you can go back and listen to our, uh, our podcast. We did a whole deep dive into Maria Butina, who she is, this 29 year old redhead 
who is accused of trying to infiltrate several conservative groups, most importantly the NRA, and use her influence in the 2016 election. I so, believe you cast Amy Adams in the role. I did, yes. I, you... I think I'll stick with that. Okay. Isla Fisher might do well. <gasps> yes, Ooh, but she's too I love, I love sweet. She's too cutesy. I, I just watched that uh, tag, and she got like her, her crazy came out. In oh, that. really? Yeah. Because uh, her crazy came out in Wedding Crashers. Right, yeah, yeah. but a different kind of crazy. Yeah, like a fun, sexy yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah, she kind of has the same I'll thing. Find but she you. Can... <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, it is 1230, and it is when we dive into the swamp of Washington. Get it! Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Well, the president was up early again today. We saw some of his uh, some of his tweets when he was referring back to the meeting on Monday in Helsinki with Vladimir Putin. What do you think he just tweeted? Sit back, relax, and enjoy my tweets. The summit with Russia was a great success, except with the real enemy of the people, the fake news media. I look forward to our second meeting so that we can start implementing some of the many things discussed, including stopping terrorism, security for Israel, nuclear proliferation, cyber attacks, trade, Ukraine, Middle East peace, North Korea, and more. There are many answers, some easy, some hard to these problems, but they can all be solved, exclamation point. It was news for a lot of people to hear him talk about a second summit. Uh, Army General Joseph Votel, commander of the U.S. Central Command, which is responsible for the Middle East, said uh, in a briefing with reporters that he had no new guidance as a result of Helsinki. Hmm. It, I took it to mean, yeah, eventually we're going to meet again. I didn't take it to mean that there's... There's plans yeah, like, on, on the hey, table. Hey, next Tuesday we're having lunch or anything like that. Um, There's also been some discussion about the Russian government having access to diplomats and other officials because there was a suggestion um, the the White House didn't push back immediately and directly against Vladimir Putin when on Monday he said, hey, uh, why don't you let Robert Mueller come into the uh, into Russia and interview our 12 suspects that you guys have? And in exchange, in exchange, we'll ask about uh, we'll ask some questions of some Americans that we'd like to speak with. Today, Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders said the proposal was made in sincerity by Putin, but that Trump disagrees with it. She said that the U.S. hopes Putin will have the Russians and Russians indicted on charges brought by the U.S. Department of Justice come to the United States to prove their innocence or guilt. Never going to happen. But the Senate also came out with a resolution to warn the president not to let the Russian government question these diplomats and other officials. Uh, it was 98 to nothing on this resolution that uh, was spearheaded by Chuck Schumer. Uh, but like I said, 98 to nothing. So it was absolutely unanimous. The The idea that he was going to turn over a former ambassador to Russia is ridiculous. I, I don't care how much you hate this guy, how much you think Donald Trump is a buffoon and in the pocket of Vladimir Putin – 
No one in the American governmental system would allow him to turn over a former U.S. ambassador to to Moscow. Well, for the questioning. president might because he's got nothing but nice things to stay, say about Putin. Uh, well, it's he's never going to happen. He's forgotten I'll, about all the uh, ordered murders that I'll, have gone on. I'll say that. It, it's never going to happen. Uh, the, the ambassador that they're talking about is uh, Michael McFall. And he had already come out and said, listen, you that would be a death sentence. To there, be turned over to Russia. There was an attempt, of course, we told you about it yesterday, to uh, subpoena the interpreter who sat in the, on the meeting, on the one-on-one between Trump and, and Vladimir Putin. Uh, Republicans put up a fight in Washington over that today. We're going to go live to Washington coming up next to get all the latest on that. Did you hear about uh, the Democrats and their new midterms campaign slogan? Uh-oh. What do you think it should be? Um... Oh, wow. Um, Something like, uh, we screwed up last time, but give us another chance. That's a good one. That's a good one. Something like that. Their slogan heading into the last months before the midterm election is for the people. Mm, Okay. They're going to start working for the people into their statements and press conferences with a focus on three key areas. Addressing health care and prescription drug costs increasing wages through infrastructure and public works projects and highlighting Republican corruption in Washington. For the people? What does for, that have to do with for the people? For the people. The corruption part of it. Well, because yeah. they want to get the corruption out of the swamp for the people. If you say so. We're going to be talking with Serena Marshall about this uh, potential subpoena for the, House tra- for the uh, White House's translator. You're big on never going to happen. Well, yeah, like you, Manny Machado is never. He's never going to play for the Manny Dodgers. Machado is never going to happen. LeBron's never going to happen. Never going to come here. It's... I just feel like maybe you could be optimistic. Maybe if you worked more processed meats into your diet, <laughs> you'd you'd be happier about things. It's seventy-seven at the beach. It's seventy-six downtown. This is KFI. Shannon. President today says he dreams about Joe Biden running again. Uh, one of the quotes was Obama took him out of the garbage heap. Says he would be a dream opponent in the 2020 election. There is a um, there's a conference going on right now in Aspen, Colorado called Aspen, Colorado, the Aspen Security Forum. Bunch of uh, national security advisors, intelligence agents, uh, Department of Homeland Security Secretary. And right now, the director of national intelligence, Dan Coats, have been answering questions. And all of them, not all of them, the vast majority of them have centered on whether or not Russia has been involved in election meddling and the belief therein. Um, Dan Coats simply says, listen, we have to call out the Russians for what they did. Uh, It's important to take a stand uh, against the president's comments because they did not do enough to point out Russia's interference. Kirsten Nielsen, the Department of Homeland Security secretary... Uh, said that she she hasn't seen any evidence that the Russians meddling helped one side or the other in the election. Yeah, it was. She says the quote is, I haven't seen any evidence that the attempts to interfere in our election infrastructure was to favor a particular political party. But she said Russia was absolutely attempting to interfere in our election system. 
And it would be foolish to think that they're not still interfering with the U.S. electoral system. So anyway, this is that's the big topic at that Aspen Security Forum. Today. Serena Marshall is in Washington trying to follow all of the changing <laughs> narratives coming out uh, from. Try is the operative word there. <laughs> no, I mean you, you do follow it. You do a great job and break it down for us every day. So, uh, what is the latest? Well, on Capitol Hill right now, there's been a couple measures today to try and get some information from the administration when it comes to that one-on-one meeting with President Putin and President Trump. The first measure this morning was in the House, and it was revolving around getting the interpreter to testify. They wanted to subpoena her to come to Capitol Hill and testify in a closed-door session about what was said during that one-on-one meeting. Republicans in the House blocked that measure. It still has the possibility of being revived in the Senate. You have uh, some Republicans like Senator Corker saying, they're looking into it. The likelihood that that would actually come to terms, though, is very, very slim. It would actually it could cause a chilling effect on those meetings between leaders that occur uh, with any president in the future. They might be hesitant to speak with an American president because that means they could come to Capitol Hill and then have to relay all of the nuances and the things that they, you know, when you're in a private meeting, you're able to make sure that might be a good idea. That might not be a good idea in order to move on to the next topic, and it kind of would stifle those conversations from happening. But the reason behind these movements on Capitol Hill is because the administration hasn't put out a readout of any kind from that one-on-one meeting. Uh, We've heard a little bit from the president about what was discussed, but normally after a meeting like that, you'd get a readout from both countries about what they talked about. And because the Russians are putting out a narrative of what was discussed, it's leading a lot of members on Capitol Hill to question things. For example, the Russian ambassador to the U.S. said that important verbal agreements were reached at that summit, and they want to know, these these Democrats on Capitol Hill, what those agreements were. There's a question of whether they'd impact national security. Were they involving our military? military, et cetera. Um, And so that was one issue that was raised on Capitol Hill today. Another vote just happened, you guys, which uh, was unanimous in the Senate, 98 to 0. We had two senators not voting uh, because they weren't in – they were absent, Senator John McCain and Richard Shelby. Uh, But that one would – it's a non-binding resolution that allows the U.S. government to refuse to allow U.S. diplomats and other officials to face questioning by governments of Vladimir Putin. And this came after the president said Putin made an incredible offer to allow Mueller's team to come to Russia to interview those 12 Russians who were indicted in exchange for interviewing some U.S. officials, including a former U.S. ambassador. And that has been widely condemned on Capitol Hill. And just moments before that resolution was passed, the sec- the the White House press secretary came out and said that the proposal was made in sincerity by President Putin, but President Trump disagrees with it. So there's a lot of moving parts right now on Capitol Hill uh, revolving around that Helsinki summit. Well, Serena, to go back to the issue of whether or not the interpreter who sat in on that meeting could be subpoenaed, wouldn't that interpreter be... In uh, violation? uh, Wouldn't wouldn't that person be either protected or restricted from testifying before Congress because of executive privilege? 
government could invoke executive privilege around that for sure, uh, but it, they would have to be subpoenaed first, typically, before he would invoke that. But it's a question of whether it even get that far. It's very unlikely Republicans would allow it to get that far. They're very much against this because they say it would cause that chilling effect between world leaders. They want to be able to have a president of the United States, any president of the United States in the future as well, to be able to have a conversation one-on-one -on -one with somebody and not have to worry about everything in that meeting becoming public. It's yeah, unprecedented. And it's, it's not great for interpreters either because it's like it's, it's against their code, you know. Yeah, to... <laughs> yeah exactly. They, well, they're also not policymakers, remember? Their job is to interpret. And so by putting them on Capitol Hill, they'd then be trying to interpret what these policy discussions were about, and that goes beyond the scope of their job. I know the point of the meeting between the two presidents was so that they could have that honest, frank discussion of whatever it is they talked about. But is there any chance that the meeting was recorded? I mean, and I don't mean by spies, I mean for just for official purposes? Uh, well, a lot of times these interpreters do take in real-time notes, and those notes are then handed off to high-ranking officials so they can make sure to follow through on any agreements that were made during those meetings. And that's where there's been a little bit of a, a question of what's going on with, within the government of how that process was followed, because we heard from the Russians what they said agreements were, but not from anybody really in the administration, and there wasn't any official readout. And you asked the Department of Defense, they said, we've gotten no changes to our orders when it were in regards to Russia, but it sounds like the Russians are saying there were agreements made, and that's why this whole subpoena thing started to begin with, and that's why they want answers about what was discussed in this meeting, because right now they're only hearing from the Russians, and they want to hear from American officials. Now, Secretary Pompeo is scheduled to appear on Capitol Hill next week, and hopefully we'll get some answers to these questions. Serena, thank you. Thank you. Serena Marshall there in D.C. with the latest on what's going on. Well, the big one o'clock hour still to come. Mark Saltzman is going to join us. We're going to talk about tech and some crazy science stories. About a turtle scientist. Oh, boy. I saw this one. Watch out with your PowerPoint. And a baby snake frozen in time gives insight into a lost world. <laughs> on KFI. KFI Los Angeles. Shannon, just crossing the wire here uh, from the Associated Press that the White House says President Trump asked the National Security Advisor to invite Vladimir Putin to Washington for a meeting in the fall and that discussions are underway. So there is a second meeting. So there is a second date. Who's going to put out? Oh, my gosh. I meant, you know, who's going to give something up when it, uh, you know what I mean? I didn't mean it in that way. I was making a uh i'm gonna defend myself hey uh <laughs> manny machado is a dodger that's making headlines today finally that deal got done between the dodgers and the baltimore orioles where manny comes to la uh the dodgers give up a handful of prospects and we'll see where it goes from there i mean this is just basically for the rest of this year but um a lot of signs point to the idea that manny machado would love to live in los angeles I mean, he loves the idea of a spotlight. So, if he can, uh, if he can make it here, boy, 
He can make it anywhere. Uni- Isn't that what the song goes? Uh, New York ah. is where that happens. Uh, University of California is lowering tuition. How much do you think they're lowering it by for this upcoming academic year? Well, I would imagine somewhere around twelve or thirteen thousand a year just for tuition. They're l- uh, so I would say they're no, probably that, in- no. This is the University of California, oh, not UC. state. Oh, UC. UC. Okay, so how much is it a year? A lot more than state schools. Ah, boy. So. Probably by a couple. Oh no, you're right. You're right. It's about it's about thirteen grand for the year. Yeah, for so then I would say a ten percent reduction. So maybe a thousand, thirteen, fifteen hundred, something like that. The University of California is lowering tuition by sixty dollars, and they want a pat on the back. Sixty dollars. Yes, sixty dollars. At least they could say that they reduced it. Well, they had planned earlier to to raise tuition. For all students by more than $300. So in this case, so, so you're right. It's a huge win. Now we have to thank them. Right. Got it. Love it. Well, Maria Butina. Hey, girl. She is the new ginger-fringed Russian grad student who's been charged with acting as a foreign agent in the United States. And I didn't make this. Well, I was saying she reminded me of the other Russian hot redhead that was busted for being a spy. Her name was Anna Chapman. I think she made it onto uh, the cover of Russian Playboy at Gary, one point. Gary, it's 2018. Can we not talk about how hot these people are and just talk about what oh, they've no, no. been charged with? I think what you misunderstood me. I was saying that when she was busted several okay. years ago, everybody called her a hot busty. I still feel like we should judge them on not their hotness, but the merits of their crimes. Okay. She, Maria Butina, has been charged with conspiracy and acting as an agent of a foreign government. Federal prosecutors say this woman, along with her uh, Russian bigwig friends, Alexander Torshin and and others, were able to infiltrate the NRA and then use their strong ties to the NRA to screw with our political process. The government alleges that she was carrying out a plan to influence American politics on behalf of a Russian government official. That government official was a guy by the name of Alexander Torshin, a huge player in Russian politics. She was his special assistant. And together they would get into all these Republican conventions and NRA meetings. They actually became – what is it? What is it? The uh, – They became life members. Yeah, life members of the NRA. Yeah. And that they used those friendships and she used sex to get into Republican operatives' uh, pants and plans. (laughs) Now, I was referring to Anna Chapman also. She was real estate agent or whatever it was until eight years ago when she got popped for being a part of a Russian spy ring and then deported. Well, uh, her own boss, and I'm talking about the new one now, Maria Butina, her own boss said... Wow, Anna Chapman poses with toy pistols. You're published with the real ones. Hell of a lot of rumors circulating here about me, too. Very funny. Um, and she referred to being something like uh, like saying, well, I've had good teachers. Of course she's had good teachers because the FSB is good at teaching their spies how to work. The federal prosecutors said that these two women show that she the, the comparisons that the the handler made in that case that bank official alexander torsion because he referred to maria as anna chapman it's clear that she would be on par with other covert russian agents why else would this well-known well-connected russian oligarch compare this woman to another russian spy unless she was a russian spy 
The FBI is investigating whether these people illegally funneled money into the NRA that was then spent to help Trump win. Now, this is where it gets dicey, because even if they funneled money into the NRA, the NRA has a pony in every race, and it's the Republican candidate, because it's the Republican candidate that's going to fight for the NRA and support the NRA, more so than I know that the NRA also lines Democrats' pockets, but it's usually the Republican candidate that they're going to back. So how they would be able to prove that this money was funneled into the NRA to support Trump and would not have supported, you know, uh, Mitt Romney or something would be difficult to prove. And would it you would, have to? And I think that the assumption or a lot of people want to believe a lot of people would want to jump to the conclusion that there was a deal made between the Trump campaign and whatever Russian powers that be. That says, hey, you can't give it directly to us, but if you gave it to the NRA, they don't have to disclose who they get money from, and then the NRA will deliver And I just don't buy that the Trumps were the puppet masters in getting money or help from Russia. I just don't buy it. I believe that it was Vladimir Putin who hated Hillary so much that he wanted to screw with America, number one, and screw her, number two. Well, and if this information, I mean, the court documents that we have, and by far, this is not the complete story on Maria Butina just yet. But we do have information about them trying to set up a meeting between some Russian emissary and uh, then-candidate Trump at an NRA convention. And you know who stepped in and said, no, that's not a good idea? Jared Kushner. Jared Kushner was the one who said, I don't – we cannot have that as – on our record as having taken place before the president becomes the president. This Maria Butina, by the way, put some of her plans, her meddling plans in writing, which is, you know, textbook rule. If you're going to infiltrate another country's election, don't put it in writing. She sent uh, this uh, this Republican operative named Paul Erickson, the guy that she was banging. Um, she sent him a detailed proposal. It was a project called Diplomacy, and she wanted to get his feedback. Um, She was also trying to get his money. She was requesting funding for her project. And the the proposal makes several assertions. Number one, that Republicans will likely win control of the U.S. government in the 2016 elections. Now, this project proposal went out in March of 2015. Even the grassroots Republican Steve Bannon fighters did not think that the Republicans were going to win control of the U.S. government in that election. Nobody knew that. So for her to make that assumption in March of 2015 means that she may have known more. Or it was just a bet that paid off. Yeah. Because she referred to it at one point, you know, that she was she was taking the bet or she was winning the bet. So but yeah, that that that's the part that struck me was that there was a belief that early on that Republicans were going to win back control in 2016 which at that point i don't think anybody believed that he uh eric uh, or not eric what's his first name uh paul erickson wrote back with advice on her special project and he gave her a list of media business and political contacts who she should meet with off the record and in fact she tried to get a meeting with donald trump jr right yeah right around the time that he was meeting with Natalia Vezinikaya. Yes. Yes. About uh, secret information that that she had that was damaging to Hillary Clinton. Remember, that was the meeting that Jared Kushner walked out of. Now, the exact nature of all of this is yet to be filled in. The government hasn't given us the complete story. That's just some of the basics that we do know. And, in fact, 
This is not part of the Mueller investigation. There may be some paths that do cross in the investigation, but this is the FBI's Washington field office that looked into this woman. It's the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office that's prosecuting her. And at this re- at this point, this is not under the purview of, uh, of Bob Mueller's invest- investigation, but it either runs uh, parallel to some of the things that he's been looking into and there may be some intersection at some point. All right. When we come back, uh, Mark Salzman is going to join us. We're going to talk about the new flying car that's going to go on sale next year. Got to get me one of those. And the story that we did a couple days ago about how Europe has been fining Google, or it did fine Google $5 billion, why it doesn't matter at all. Gary and 74 Chef. degrees downtown. <laughs> Have we gotten any feedback on uh, when we can stop playing those? They said never. They said it's the ratings are just super high. Blake fired. Gary and Shannon. On this Thursday, it's July 19th. A couple of local stories that have been making headlines today. The L.A. County Sheriff's Office says that a couple of deputies involved in a, I guess, well, they were involved in a deputy-involved shooting. That's what they call it, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Shot and killed a guy at the end of a chase today in Pico Rivera. President Trump has asked uh, John Bolton, our national security advisor, to invite Russian President Vladimir Putin to Washington in the fall. So there is a second meeting. That's what we've determined. And Manny Machado is a Dodger. Makes his debut tomorrow night when the Dodgers take on Milwaukee. It's time for Tech Talk. The machines are getting smarter. This is Tech Talk. Brought to you by Skynet. Mark Salzman, are you dancing to your walk-up music? I am. Me too. too this is radio. This is your, your listeners <laughs> love it. <laughs> Uh, there's a couple of great uh, tech headlines that we wanted to talk to you about. First of all, flying cars. This has been my dream since I was nothing. Terrafugia <laughs> is finally going to put its flying car on sale. Yeah, they've been taking deposits for a couple of years now. I think they're charging it's around. I think it's a quarter of a million, two hundred and fifty. So pocket change for you, Gary. But yeah. 2019, the transition, which is the, the Terrafugia transition. Uh, an aptly named vehicle because it it does uh, go from a car to a plane and back again. So we're not talking about taking off from your your driveway. You do have to drive it like a car with the wings folded in uh, to an airport, and then you take off and then ex- obviously extend the wings, take off, and then drive it back when you land back to your home and fit it in the garage perhaps if you've got one. So that's the idea. So it is. Uh, it does uh, do double duty. You can you can go 100 miles an hour, up to 10,000 feet. You do need what's called a sport pilot's license, but uh, they are finally hitting the market. We've been reading about it for a while, and I think the reason why is there's a many other flying car companies that have um, even cooler looking and more advanced uh, technology. So they were forced to to, to really uh, up their game, and it's uh, finally going to be available. So if you're one of them, uh, one of your listeners that have a deposit next, they're shipping them in 2019, now, they say. I assume there's going to be some sort of regulations. I feel like the technology <laughs> yep. is getting out a little bit ahead of the laws, like we saw with drones. <laughs> yeah. 
Correct. So that's a great point, Shannon. So there are different three different regulators, like the FAA, of course, one of them. There's all FAA approved, and there's two others that, that had to meet certain requirements. Again, you do need to have this uh, pilot's license, which they claim you can get in as few as, I think, 40 or 50 hours. doesn't seem like an awful lot. Uh, so, And I don't know what safeguards are in, in place. I know with some of these other flying vehicles, they have, you know, emergency parachute if it detects a sudden drop in uh, altitude. It'll, it'll deploy a parachute. I don't know specifically what the Terrafugia transition has, uh, but um, it should have something that naturally I wouldn't want to look up, uh, you know, in L.A. and see one of these flying, uh, you know, between buildings above my head. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so the idea is that I think that there's, there's going to be a market for this. I'm surprised that the, the legislation is, you know, that it's there, but apparently it is. Mm. So we'll see. And this, yeah, when it's me too, Gary. When I was a kid, dreaming about a flying car or a jet pack, uh, backpack kind of thing. And, you know, it's seeing sci fi flicks like Back to the Future. It's, it's fun to daydream, but now it uh, appears to be a reality almost. Well, uh, if you can't if you can't afford for some reason the flying car, uh, Samsung's Galaxy Note Nine is going to be coming out soon. Oh, it's the soon. next best thing, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and it may cost almost as much. No, this is Samsung's um, flagship uh, productivity device. So yeah, it's going to be unveiled officially on August 9th in New York. I'll be there for that with many other tech journalists. Uh, I'm actually speaking to you right now on the Galaxy Note Eight, which is last year's. Or so I, I'm actually a fan of the larger screen. Uh, so. We, there's been some leaked details of this next device. Uh, so a large, even larger screen than last year, apparently, but even you know, still comfortable enough to hold in your hand. They're saying. But the news that seems to be uh, getting the internet buzzing is this new stylus. So, as you may know, one of the hallmarks of the Note family from Samsung is not just a larger screen, but a, a stylus pen that's tucked in underneath the phone. So you pull it out when you need it for for better dexterity, you know, greater precision if you're writing or drawing or sketching on the screen. Um, but so this Bluetooth-enabled S Pen is what the, the rumor is, and that means it'll have a wireless connection to the device, to the phone, which will allow you to do different things. It has a little button on it as well. So, for example, you may be using your phone for a presentation. It may be connected to a, a projector or a TV in a boardroom. You can use the stylus to scroll through the slide through a presentation by pressing the button. You may be able to press a button or hold the button, and it'll launch your favorite app, like a voice recorder, if you use that for your job, for example, or your notes uh, app. So there's a few different applications. You can take a photo, like snap it like a, a, a shutter button on the uh, S Pen, or uh, control your music. So there's a few different applications that I'm sure we're going to get a taste of uh, at this what's called Unpacked event in New York in uh, uh, in August. But yeah, there's a lot of buzz about, about this new Samsung device, so we'll see if it uh, matches the rumors. It often does. So Google you know? takes a $5 billion hit, but it's uh, pocket change for Google, apparently. <laughs> Yeah, so the European Union, uh, apparently they're fining Google $5 billion, the equivalent of $5 billion. But to put that into perspective, unless they challenge it and it gets, uh, you know, gets to the courts again, uh, unless they challenge it, this is about 16 days worth of, of profits for Google. So it's not going to really hurt them in the long run, even if they don't uh, fight back. So, yes, yeah, $5 billion hit. Apparently Trump today, I haven't been on Twitter much, but apparently he was like, see, told you so. Told you the, you know, the EU are, are, are after the U.S. or targeting the U.S. So we'll see. But, uh, yeah, apparently a $5 billion fine for antitrust or anti-competitive 
Uh, very strict laws they have in Europe. So that's because with Android phones, which is the dominant platform there uh, and much of the world, they pre-install Google Apps, and they say that's unfair. That's unfair competition. So you may be buying a phone that has no Google Apps installed. You'll have to download them if you want Gmail and Google Maps and all that. But they're paying a price for preloading it and, and creating unfair uh, options for, you know, slanted options for their customers. Yeah. Yeah, but pocket change, truly. Yeah, well, to, to Google or Alphabet, their parent company, $5 billion. Yeah, whatever. You know, <laughs> it sounds like a lot. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I read yesterday that it's about 16 days of profits that they'll have to eat for that. That's it. 16 days. Can you imagine? That, that is not yeah. bad. So Sulu has a new app, huh? <laughs> oh, I'm so stoked about this, Shannon. So uh, on my radio show and podcast uh, this weekend, uh, I interviewed none other than George Takei. So he has. Uh, did you Sulu super geek out, or was this the first time you, uh, yeah. you did? Yeah. So it was it was by phone this time, um, but I have interviewed him in person um, for a Star Trek related video game a few years ago. But this was by phone, so I didn't get a chance to meet him again. But very colorful character, as you and your listeners likely know, is anyone now, by the way. But he has this app that he is uh, associated with called House of cat uh, no uh house of cats i believe it's called and uh you know i'm gonna look this up while we're chatting no, that's and what it is house of cats is uh an augmented yeah it is called house of cats it is a you know he's a he's very anti-trump uh if you do not follow george uh on social media but he's uh you know it, this is an anti-trump app that superimposes trumpy cat instead of grumpy cat which George was part of, uh, into your real-world location using augmented reality, kind of like, you know, Pokemon Go. But you can have a an orange Trumpy cat saying silly things. That These are actually actually things that Trump has said, and it's audio recordings of that, or you can use your own voice, but it's meant to... It's a political satire app called House of Cats that combines two things that the Internet loves, which is, of course, Donald Trump and cats. <laughs> it was a fun interview. It also, I did, but not once did he say, "Oh my!" Oh I was a little my. disappointed. Yeah, uh, I love him. That same app. Also, you can uh, you can use the characters Meowlian. Sorry, it's not Melania. Melania Trump. Melania. Yeah. Uh, Vladdy Putin yeah, right. and Little Rocket Pug. Mark Saltzman, <laughs> yeah. our awesome. tech guru and columnist for USA Today. Thank you so much. We really appreciate your time. We'll talk next Thursday. You got it, guys. Thanks. Have a good one. You, you bet. Too. When we come back, we have some uh, some cool uh, uh, science-y stories for you that we'll tell you about. Uh, but also, next Friday is our next News and Bruce. And look here. Tomorrow. And look here what? in our science-y, uh, our science-y stack. Yeah. I've got this headline here. It says, a few beers a week could oh, help men start a family. Love it. So if you're ready to uh, fire up that oven, you should swing by for some beers. Fire up that Like oven. a bun in the oven. Got it. I don't know. We'll be at HQ Gastro Pub in Huntington Beach a, f- a week from tomorrow, uh, Friday, July 27th. We'll be doing the show live from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., so come on out for all of it or part of it or just some of it. Doesn't Fire up that oven. We'd love to see you there. Have a lunch, have a beer, and just sit and watch the show.
Gary and Shannon, it's Thursday, July 19th. John and Ken coming up at the top of the hour. Reminder that next week, next Friday, is our next News and Brews. On Friday the 27th, we're going to be live at HQ Gastro Pub in Huntington Beach, sampling the food, maybe a beer. Well, there's going to be a... Go ahead. I was just going to say and. And. (laughs) You never know what's going to happen there. You don't. The possibilities are truly endless. Truly. You could take off your shirt like Petrus and Money do. Are you going to wear a tank top? Probably not. Okay. I'm not a good tank topper. Hey, if you're going to wear a tank top, can I get a heads up uh, via text or something? Sure. Just so I can fix my face before I walk in. What does that mean? Well, so I don't walk in like this. And then go, oh my God, what happened to your arms? So I walk in like this. Uh, it appears as there, there's going to be another round of talks between President Trump and Russian President Vladimir Putin, the White House, confirming that uh, it, he, Trump has asked National Security Advisor John Bolton to invite Putin to Washington, s- send out an invite this fall. And the discussions are already underway. Yeah, uh, I don't uh, This doesn't seem to be a big deal. Other than the fact the president tweeted today that he looks forward to the next meeting and it everybody be, said, what What are you talking about? Nobody well, yeah, knows. and it would be in Washington. Yeah, he's been here before. That's not a big deal. Um, the The other story that we covered a couple times was uh, Maria Butina. She is that Russian agent uh, accused of being a Russian agent, a 29-year-old redhead that's don't, now being held without bail. Don't you think it is a big deal, though, that there's so many investigations going on as to whether Vladimir Putin influence the election to change the result and we're going to roll out the red carpet in Washington to have a guy who conspired to to screw up our system I mean well, I think, and I think you, it's like the, I, optics, the, of it, the optics yes. don't look good for the president either yeah but you know he doesn't care about that right. part of it I mean right. the optics in this relationship with Vladimir Putin he doesn't care about he's made that clear he cares about a lot of other things but this doesn't appear to be one of them um, and then tomorrow, tomorrow the Dodgers are in Milwaukee. They get their uh, new shortstop, Manny Machado. Oh, they're playing, playing that racist. Which one? Oh, Josh Hader. Um, did you ever want to become a turtle scientist? Only because I heard you could never get rid of them. Strange science. It's, it's like weird science, but strange. See what I did there? Yeah. You can never get rid of a turtle scientist? I sure scientist. did. I sure did. Hey, Blake, why is it that you can never get rid of a turtle scientist? I don't, I don't know. Because, Blake, they're called herpetologists. <laughs> there ah, was... Science jokes. Tasty Tuesday. <laughs> a Distinguished Herpetologist Award, and it went to a guy named Dick Vaught. And his acceptance speech for being a distinguished herpetologist included... A presentation filled with racy images of scantily clad women. (laughs) This is not funny. This is not funny. Because apparently the Me Too movement has gone all the way into the herpetological world. Mm -hmm. According to several attendees of the award ceremony, Dick Vogt, longtime researcher of Brazilian turtles... Is there a joke in there? Showed several pictures of scantily clad female students doing field research. The photographs were risque enough that the conference organizers added blue boxes to cover parts of the women's bodies. Apparently, it's no secret to female herpetologists that Dick Vaught is a person to avoid. 
Female students often are talked to at length about his notoriously sketchy behavior and how to avoid him. See, the Me Too movement isn't just for the, the lights and the glitz of Hollywood. It is for the herpetology world. Now, listen. Your race is scattered everywhere doing very unfortunate things. Your my species. Race. My species? Your species. You are a member of my species. <laughs> John Covell used to say that always to me. What's wrong with your species? When he talk about your gender? Yeah, no, he would say species. Mm. It makes it more fun for strange science. I suppose. There is no code of conduct in regard to attire requirements while doing field work. Everybody knows that in the herpetological world. Sure. And the other aspect of herpetology is that sometimes you do have to get buck naked. Well, maybe not buck naked, but you do have to get into a swimsuit to do uh, field work. Did you see a picture of this guy? Near the waterways. Oh, did I? Doesn't he look like a... a uh... Um, a man who enjoys pictures of ladies. Yes, because he can't see the actual thing. Yeah. Yes, it does. It's a picture, if you will. Uh, Louis Anderson and Dick Van Dyke had a baby with yes. long hair. Yes. And he's holding a giant Brazilian turtle in that Bingo. picture. Bingo. Uh, to use images of students in swimwear during any presentation about herpetology is not considered typical documentary photography. <laughs> Well, here's some news. A few beers a week could help men start a family. Now, men hoping to become fathers are often advised to avoid alcohol because they could harm their fertility. But a study suggests a few small beers a week or a bottle of wine may actually help men start a family. A bottle of wine for a week or a bottle of wine for the night? It seems like a bottle of wine for the week, like a glass here and there and over there. Italian researchers asked about 323 men about their alcohol consumption, found that moderate drinkers had a better sperm count. So there you go. Come to News and Brews and make a baby after. Please wait until you find a a private space, though. No. Think about the great story that would provide us. Like five years down the line, ten years down the line, we'll be like, remember that one News and Brews at HQ's? It was July 2018 when those people made a baby. Mm. I love the idea of talking about memories, earliest memories. Can you think of, like, earliest memories that you have as a kid? I do remember what I think is my earliest memory. We'll talk about that and why it is. You probably just made it up on the spot. You're a big liar. That sounds about right. I mean, you, you need, everyone needs somebody. Every kettle has a, a, every a lid. lid pot. What, you know what I mean? Um, but it just shows, I don't think, great judgment. It's like, what he do you could have sex with anybody in the world, well, probably. I, don't know about anybody. I mean, but you know what I mean? He's got a big pool, and he's going to go out with a girl that's gone out with all of uh, North Hollywood. I mean, not gone out, but had sex with all of North Hollywood. I, don't, I can't even read. We can't read the, the titles. Jimmy Garoppolo, the new uh, quarterback for the 49ers, seen dating a porn star. Oh, for the love. I could read Bra Busters 4. That's, that's, the, one I that's read. the only title you yeah. can read. There are du- literally du- no scores of titles that are not. New nickname? <gasps> God. Gonorrhea Garoppolo? 
Uh, no? No. I don't think it's going to stick. I'm going to keep calling him Guapo Garoppolo then. <laughs> okay. Maybe they were just having a business meeting. That well, didn't go well either. What kind of production yeah, company is he running? That's also not a good narrative. Is he an actor or a producer? Mm. Maybe he's a. she's a friend of the family. You know, like an old friend. She's and a he lot older than And he, he doesn't is. know what she does for work? Yeah. Maybe it was his babysitter thinks, when he was a kid? He thinks she's a dancer. Right. It's possible. Earliest memories. If your earliest memory took place before your second birthday, it's probably fictitional, according to research. Okay, explain to me what you think is your earliest memory. My earliest memory, I think I'm in a stroller, and I'm at a park, a park that my mother used to take us to. Does the park exist in reality? Yeah, okay. it's Pioneer Park. Oh, okay. And um, she, I'm in the stroller, and I see her walking away, mm-hmm. and I hate it. And I lose it. I'm losing my mind because I think she's like leaving or something. And I was so, I remember feeling so fearful and so sad and I was hysterical. And then, of course, she just put something in the trunk and came back. But I think that's my earliest memory. How old would you say you are? I don't know. I was in a stroller. So you're probably three, in that. Maybe three, two, three. Two or three. Yeah. Because yeah. you wouldn't have been walking around a right. whole lot. I wasn't four. Uh, there is a study, the largest ever study of this kind, 6,641 people were questioned about their first recollection. And participants in the study were told that the memory should not be linked of any photo to your... Like, it wouldn't be something like, oh, I remember that camping trip. Well, how do you remember it? Well, I there was a picture of me on the camping trip. No, no, no. Something that wasn't associated with a photo or a or legendary family a story, story yeah. or anything like that. 60% of the first memories were from the average age of three and a quarter years. Interesting. Which shows this is when we develop the mental faculties to actually remember things, to form memories. But that about a third, a little more than a third of people, 39%, claim to have memories from between the age of one and two. And that 800 of them claim their first memory was in their first year of life, which is an astonishingly high number. These memories include the first time I walked, wanting to tell my mother something before I could talk, and the first word I spoke. That seems to me crazy that yes. you would remember that. Because that's that seems to be much more of a memory, finger quotes, that's more influenced by your parents telling you the first thing you ever said was ball. Yeah. Analyzing the memories, the author said that 52% of the, the memories from below the age of two were lying, uh, were of lying in my pram, lying in my, uh, my bassinet or my crib. Which I think is funny as well because there's nothing there. I mean, you're not doing anything but just lying in your crib. The, I don't have a memory anywhere close to that early. Uh, mine no. was four or five years old. My mom was trying to put shoes on my feet, and she kept putting it on the wrong foot. And you said, you're wrong. You're wrong. No, I don't say things like that. Oh. Um, but it made me concerned that my mother has a drinking problem. Your mother never had anything close to a drinking problem. No, but I, I do remember. I remember being... the shoes specifically. I remember like we're at one end of the kitchen. She's yeah. at that. Uh, she's sitting in the chair. I'm on the floor. She's got my leg up and she's trying to put the shoe on. And, and she you goes, knew that. It... Oh, she said it was. She wrong. said okay, it because she kept she took it off and oh. she was like, no, that's the wrong foot. And then oh, put it on the okay. other foot and was like, no, no, wait a minute. I had it on the right foot to begin with. I see. I think my first memory is me telling a lie. Oh, that sounds about right. I was in preschool and I'm pretty sure I was like three or four. And I remember kicking my friend and. 
her crying and her saying, hey, Blake kicked me, and me be like, no, I didn't. Don't know what you're talking about. The research <laughs> says that if your first memory is of a lie, you live with your parents for the rest of your life. Well, we'll see how those odds work out. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Blakey. Oh, I was, I was looking for that line. Um, <laughs> I do remember a, a, pig, a pig, not a pig pen, but a <laughs> it was like a... Do they still have those for kids? You put them inside. It's the playpen. Like the playpen. Yeah, sure. I remember. Yeah, they're, they're a lot softer now than they used to be. Ours were like made out of metal and barbed wire. I remember not liking those. Liking being put in there. Felt like I was in jail. I think, if I'm not mistaken, my kids figured out how to break those down. Oh. And I don't mean like like yeah. King Kong Rampage Mine was style, but... made of iron. <laughs> uh, Japan... Could have the first artificial meteor shower in a couple of years. There is a Tokyo-based startup, ALE, that's in its final stages to build a couple of micro-satellites, each of them programmed to carry and release 400 tiny pellets anytime, anywhere, and in any color. Like a giant, very high-altitude fireworks display. The first satellites expected to hitch a ride into space on a rocket being launched by the space agency in Japan March of next year. The second one, the middle of next year on a private sector rocket. And then just have them orbiting by February of 2020 with the view that they would deliver a meteor shower over Hiroshima in spring the same year. Um, they're not going to pick a different city? Good point. Good point. But they said the sky, if the skies are clear... The display could be visible to millions of people over an area spanning 124 miles. The fossil of a baby snake has been discovered entombed inside amber. Amber is very unique. Whatever it touches is frozen in time inside of the plastic-like resin. It's the super glue, the fossil record. This animal became stuck in tree sap. And the creature has been frozen in time for... 99 million years. Wow. It lived in the age of the dinosaurs. So it was a dinosaur snake. This baby snake should get into our brackets for next year. <laughs> the fossilized <laughs> the baby fossilized snake. The fossilized 99 million year old baby snake. Uh, a small lizard discovered in the Alps in Italy said it was a, uh, the scientist said it was 240 million years old. So. Oh, one upper, no, isn't he? I don't like to. Say that, but yes, definitely a one-upper. All right, don't forget, next Friday, a week from tomorrow, we're going to be at HQ Gastropub in Huntington Beach for our next News and Brews, doing the show live out there from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. We'd love it if you'd come on out, stop by. Special guests, perhaps, and maybe some gifts as well? Those aren't gifts. I'm asking it as a question. Oh, okay. Just because... We don't know what's actually going to happen. It could be anything. Somebody could make a baby. Oh, this is the world's greatest radio station. This is the world's greatest radio station. For Los Angeles. See you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody. Tune in next week for the hilarious funeral episode on Gary and Shannon.